Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour. On this Family Tree Podcast, episode 44. And what an episode it's going to be. an episode! It is going to be wild. It has been wild recording this. I have had so much fun, I know Shane has too. We have Jillian Harris starting us off. Jillian Harris is the ultimate mom blogger of course she was the first canadian bachelor you know she's big because in her bio she doesn't even mention the bachelor yes yeah no it's (laughs) insane like her her resume is just wild because she's an interior designer she does all these other things she hosts a show on hgtv lover to list of vancouver and it just goes on and on so we have jillian harris we have Jesse Crookshank, who you kind of used to work with. Oh, she said hi to me once. I <laughs> <laughs> That's how big of a deal she is because I will never forget the time she said hi to me in the lobby of Masonic Temple after I had won a contest called S-Trip for MTV, the Canadian version of MTV, MTV Canada. I had won a contest, which kind of started my career. She wasn't involved in hosting that, but she was uh, in. Just happened to be in the lobby when I was there, and I was like, "Oh my God, she's talking to me!" I was like, "Hi," and that's my Jesse Kirkshank story. But now we did a, you know, forty-plus minute interview with her on this episode, and I'd say we're friends. Yeah, I think yeah, she took a liking to you, uh, but. This podcast is long, it's strong, and we're about to get the friction on because I am going to cheers this drink. <laughs> the friction. Cheers, baby. Well, when two glasses hit, no, it's No, I friction. like it. But yeah, what do we have here, Alex? I know this is a, an audio pod, but this is a beautiful looking drink. It is a beautiful looking drink. I will put up the beautiful looking photo I took of it. So Shane and I are drinking a seed lip cocktail. We've been talking about seed lip for a while. You guys know how much I like it. It's a non-alcoholic spirit. This one is called the Vanilla I believe. Well, not the most creative name in the world. <laughs> it's the Seedlip Spice 94, which is super tasty. Vanilla extract, which I got from Mexico, which has the best vanilla. And a little soda water and a green apple for garnish. So let me know what you think. Enough talk. Let's it looks drink. a little darker than it does in the photograph in the recipe book they gave us. But I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be good. Is that because you used a different vanilla extract? Or? I don't know. Maybe it's... The Mexican I don't want to overthink vanilla. it. Okay, yeah. let's drink here. And I'm going to give my real opinion, by the way. I'm taking another sip here. I know my opinion. What's your opinion? Oh my God, it's refreshing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very so refreshing. It's so good. And you just made it look so nice, too. Thank like you. cutting this apple slice the way you did. And it's interesting. I would have never thought in a million years that I would become addicted to non-alcoholic drinks. I'd say I'm a non-alcoholic, but that has a bad connotation. But Shane, doesn't it taste like there's booze in this? It does. And like, you know. It's that spice. It's the spice from the seed lip. And then with the vanilla, it like keeps it warm. There's a little, what, acid? We need need somebody here who actually knows drinks. I love drinking the acid. (laughs) But these drinks do relax me. And then I, and you looked it up. And it's actually scientific that non-alcoholic beverages provide the same effect as a real beverage in terms of relaxation yeah without the hangover Mm -hmm. but but you like it yeah we gotta like this is a delicious drink i think i put too much ice if there's anything to correct i put too much ice i was just gonna say that it's a little bit too refreshing (laughs) but i really like it because the one thing about ice is Ice melts. Melts, I know. And it can make the drink a little watered down. You know what we need? We need the uh, ice cube makers that just make one giant cube because then it takes longer to melt. But I feel very I feel very cool drinking this drink. You look cooler than you've looked all week. I was so 
nervous about just doing the opening for this episode because I know it's huge. <laughs> so I steamed my shirt. So, well, you were like, Shane, are you coming down? I was like, I'll be down in a minute. It's because... Like, for a podcast. And but we, we do little promos for it. We do promos, 15-second promos. <laughs> it looks like you straightened your hair too, actually. No, I just haven't washed it. It's a byproduct <laughs> of that. But yeah, let's get into our topics let's here. Let's get into it, but I'm glad you like the drink. Love the drink. Um, should I open or should you? You, you start. I wanted to talk about Father's Day. Okay. You did a Father's Day post, and some people have been messaging me. Nobody's messaged you. I swear to you. People have messaged me, does Alex really love you? <laughs> What's up with that? She'll do 300 words on, you know, a, a toilet brush. But for Father's Day, you did a normie Father's Day post. And, you know, I don't care. Honestly, I don't. And I've discussed this with you off the mic in a more serious tone. But... <laughs> You run an account where, you know, if you had to review a diaper, yes. you would just do this long thing. What I love about this diaper. Well, am I reviewing you on Father's Day? Is that In what a you way, want? yes. That's what it is. So people, you got six comments on that. <laughs> My friends who have normie wives, meaning they, they have accounts that aren't influence, and- uh, influence or accounts with a, a tons of followers because they're not trying to get that. They... Uh, 20 comments there. It's like what you said was beautiful and brought a tear to my eye. And my post is like my stepmom and my mom, like, he's the best. <laughs> I wanted like tears streaming. And not even for me, just for your account, because it's good. It makes good business but sense. But people to know really... I love you. I didn't want to overwhelm them with like too much husband love. And then I gave, okay, folks, I gave Shane a slideshow in my stories highlighting you know not only that he was a good dad but also how hot he is yeah you laid down on the hot thing where it was borderline sarcastic it's like check out this hottie and you I have think such i know but you have such rose-colored glasses you can't even see when i look terrible <laughs> like your mom just put up a photo of me too where can you admit that's a terrible oh, photo of me that was a terrible photo of you okay so you were doing that to me and you didn't even realize it's what like i'm a little embarrassed because you're i look ugly in those photos <laughs> Not that anything's wrong with being ugly, but I looked not my best. I thought you looked great in them. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that anybody actually messaged you. They did. I could, I could pull them up. The one I, I pulled up when you were beside me, and I kind of, I wanted to talk more about this on the pod, but I mentioned it when we were in bed. Yeah, of course. But wait. So do who, you think I'm lying? Who messaged you? A couple people, but James Favron <laughs> is, is one who stands out. He's a uh, This Family Tree fan. He's also a Mike Much fan. He, that same guy did tell me last night that uh, he loved something that we did recently. And although he loves us both, he does favor you. And I think that maybe I slid down the favorite list when... I didn't give you as much credit as I guess I should have on Father's Day. Well, he he was like, hey, what's up with your wife? Does she not love you? Ha ha. (laughs) He's like, you know, I'm kidding, but I'm kind of serious. I'm like, honestly. That's bull. I I go, honestly, it really kind of had me shook a little bit. He goes, you're exactly like me. I I knew you'd be like that. Okay, sorry. What was your Mother's Day post for me? Gmote? Like, not even a sentence. It was an acronym. Greatest mother of all time. And I thought I made Guys, up he that. didn't. he didn't put anything else after that. He gave me an acronym. I preface this whole thing with, <laughs> I wouldn't care if you were a normie. Yeah, but Shane, you're I'm not. I'm a normie. No, you're not. You're one half of this podcast. You're one third of another 
podcast that does really well. You're not a normie, babe. My grandmother babe. has more Instagram followers than Shane, me. hold on. What? Did you not just change your Instagram name from ShaneyBoy69 to ShaneDaddy83 because you are a face of this brand? I just found out 69 had a sexual connotation, Bull- so I had oh. to. <laughs> What? That that is not an excuse for Gmote for Mother's Day. First of all, you believe that I didn't know that sixty nine had a sexual kind of. Of course not. Okay. Like you're not a complete idiot. Oh, I was questioning whether you were Alex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so th- that being said, uh, I forgive you. I guess. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> That doesn't make sense. And you're stealing my catchphrase way too much. This is Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Maui the Demigod. I've been watching a lot of Moana lately. (laughs) Okay. So do do we end that topic or do you have anything else to say? No, I get... Okay. Shane, I'm sorry for not letting the world publicly know once again how much I love you. But I do, as you know... Do you see my side of things though? I do. But if, if I had given you like so much love, like a couple paragraphs worth on Mother's Day, yes. would you have yes. given me? So this is revenge, in a in a sense. I don't think it was at the forefront of my mind, but it was probably in my mind. Okay. I didn't want things to come off so one sided, you know. Like Alex loves <laughs> you, Shane so much. Shane doesn't love Alex. That you've much. been <laughs> keeping score and trying to like match everything since we met from our first date. <laughs> Just be yourself. You have. You laugh because you know it's true. <sighs> Competitive person. Um, anyhow, this has been a pretty crazy week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was actually scared for your life at one point this week. Yeah. Uh, a couple times, not only with, um, you know, angering people over Instagram, but also with how I've been medically. Uh, I had a really long hospital appointment on Thursday. I'm 37 weeks pregnant right now. And my appointment was at 10, so I left the house at 9.30 in the morning, and I didn't get back till about 5, and my phone had died at 1, and Shane didn't know what the hell was going on. He thought I was delivering the baby. I did, and I was panicking, and I couldn't remember which hospital <laughs> hospital you were at. Lou's here. Lou's wondering, where's mommy? And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, Lou. I don't know. She's like, aww. <laughs> I'm like, aww is right. Like, I'm having a panic attack. And then I needed you to help me with the project, and I was pacing around the house. I was eating snacks like crazy because that's how I cope. And then you finally walked through the door at 5 to tell me that you're giving birth. You're being induced on Sunday. Yeah. So, so basically eight days a week. from today. Yeah. yeah. So basically a week. I'm not due, of course, for another three weeks by the time I had that appointment. But they're inducing me at 38 weeks and four days because there is something wrong. The pain that I've been talking about uh, on this podcast, on my blog, is not normal, basically is what my doctor has come to the conclusion. I shouldn't be going through this much, you know, just like severe pain, it's awful. Uh, So they did a ton of tests when I was there and they concluded that it is either a complication due to my lupus and things being extra swollen or maybe something else going on, or it is, a twisted or bent or squished ovary which just sounds horrible like i I know it's a common thing and i I actually have spoken to a few women since putting it out there and they're getting surgery in the next few weeks for their bent or twisted ovaries Hmm. but it's like i didn't even know that could happen so do you still think something's gonna go wrong in 
labor? No, I feel a little bit more at ease now, especially because my OB, who I really love, she took care of me throughout my first pregnancy, but she only delivers one day a week, so she she didn't deliver, somebody else did. However, she scheduled me in for my induction on a day that she's doing deliveries. So she'll be there for an entire 24 hours after we get in. Nice. Yeah, so I'm, I, I feel like I'm in really good hands. Remember how we talked about on this podcast before how they kind of like screwed things up when they were sewing up my episiotomy? Yeah, like you got a piece of loose skin flapping away down there or something? No, it's no, it's like um it's not loose cuz it's attached side to side. Mm. But it's just like scar tissue that But isn't it like you have like a little extra like tail of scar tissue? No, well it's like it's like a purse strap of scar tissue from one side <laughs> <laughs> from one side of my perineum. Can I take a to look at this other. tonight? Sure. If you're up for it, like, I don't know. You can't tell. And, like, obviously you've never noticed. But you, you can't tell just by looking until. Will it like, make me barf, you think? No, I don't know. Maybe if I hold it like a purse, you would. Ugh. But, <laughs> but uh, so my doctor knows about this. And she knows that I'm kind of furious that this has happened. because can you, can, Are they going to fix it? Yes. So she's going to do it. She's mm. going to personally do it. So she knows about this. I've been talking to her about this ever since I noticed it. Maybe eight months postpartum. So it's like, let's say you got your your nose broken in like a basketball game. You right. go to you go to the doctor. You're like, can you give me a nose job too? It's kind of like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, hey, while you're down there, can well, I initially told her like, can you please tell whoever's on my birth? Can you please make a note to properly sew that up? And I hope they don't show that on the bill. <laughs> Cutting purse straps. What is this fee? Two hundred dollars. Not covered. <laughs> Well, it was funny because so what's going to happen when I give birth is that it's in such a place that it's just going to get broken again. So the head is going to just rip that skin apart Like cut anyway. it like a finish line. Yeah. yeah. And then she is just going to ensure that it is sewed up properly this time. Nice. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. I'm feeling really good about it. However, finding out that you're giving birth in a week and you have a date and you have a deadline is... A crazy feeling and it's a crazy thought like what what went through your mind when I came home and told you start tripping out a little bit like pacing getting excited like um, manic in a mm-hmm. way uh, yeah. heart racing like just crazy thoughts thinking of everything I have to get done I was like okay I need to take next week off work immediately How, how's next week gonna work just you know planning all those things that I thought I had another couple weeks to worry mm-hmm. about. And, you know, mentally I was procrastinating on even worrying about all these things. So it was a tad overwhelming, but after a couple hours I floated back down to reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about you a lot, like, because I remember last time at the end of your pregnancy you started fearing the giving birth. Yeah. And you also started missing being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like You're like, I'm going to miss this. And... <laughs> It's kind of like high school. It's like shit while you're going through it. But in the last week, it's like, this is the best time of my life. <laughs> so, so I'm wondering right now, are you, are you feeling the same way you felt with Lou where you like love being pregnant Here's now that you know it's over? I, I love being pregnant when you have the big belly. So you have the big belly. I know I have the big belly and I love having the big belly, but I'm not, I'm not getting the benefits that you would because we're quarantined. So like... What are the benefits? Like, well, like people being extra nice to you, holding open doors, letting you butt them in line, like letting you use the really nice bathrooms and mm. places that are only for managers. Diva alert. Yeah, well, hey, it's, you know, it's definitely a plus. 
but I'm not nostalgic in the sense that I'm thinking, oh, this pregnancy was so great because it pretty much has been hell since we found out. Okay, and as far as the birth, like the other day, I was trying to talk about it with you and you burst into tears. I was like, maybe we'll talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) Well, it's funny because every time I would think about giving birth, since they told me I was going to be induced in a week, I would just start to cry because I am incredibly nervous. But tonight I'm just, I'm honestly in such a good mood. (laughs) I don't know if I have the same emotions. This drink is really good and it's just nice to be on a Saturday night. But um, yeah, the idea of giving birth terrifies me. And like Shane, you're going to... Is it because of the pain? Everything. And you're going to have me cry on you several times this week. I already know it. Cry on me? Well, cry and then you're gonna have to comfort me and then when you're comforting me i'm gonna end up crying on your on you like on your shoulder or something gotcha but yeah it it terrifies me and somebody dm me the other day and they said oh alex don't get too stressed about birth and postpartum we all know it's crappy but you know just try to think positively and it's like i can't think positively because i try and i think okay it's gonna be one really difficult day giving birth and whatnot and then i'm gonna have this amazing baby But then I had such a hard time with postpartum with Lucy, like for the first five months, that I'm just so nervous for that. I want it to be great. I want it to be better. I want, I just, I'm very nervous. Like I don't want to deal with postpartum anxiety again, obviously. That was awful. And just the recovery process was really, it was really hard. The sleeplessness was the worst thing of it all. And I think it exacerbated my anxiety and my recovery process, everything. This could be the drinks talking, but you look very hot right now. Thank you. Non-alcoholic drinks, so I, I will. That's like an extra compliment. Yeah, I was joking a little bit. See, you're feeling good on a Saturday night too. No, but you do. Your skin's like very like glowing. Like when people say like you're glowing. You know why? Why would you do? Well, I've been putting colostrum on it for the past couple nights. Okay, yeah. You look like an Instagram <laughs> filter right now. It's pretty crazy. It's really weird. Yeah, I've been uh, using my colostrum that my boobs keep leaking and using it as a face mask. Nice. Yeah. But, okay, so when you're giving birth, does the adrenaline and excitement of it all, does that make you not feel the pain as much? Because I feel like if I was robbing a bank, Mm -hmm. I'd be so amped that if a cop shot me, I'd still be able to run just because I was so, like, filled with adrenaline. Yeah. No, absolutely it does. However, I mean, the pain is incredibly intense. So all the endorphins and oxytocin gonna have to look that up if that is one of the things getting secreted but they all they all help a ton and without that i don't know without your body's natural response to birth giving i don't know that women would be able to do it but it's amazing what your body can do for you like it's truly amazing that your body puts up these defenses and helps ease the pain however i mean i was just talking to a friend who like me had a really quick delivery last time like she pushed for 20 minutes i pushed for 12 uh, but we were both on epidural, didn't really feel it, easy birth. This time, she gave birth with no epidural and said it was hell on earth, which is also something that I'm so fearful of. Like, I just, I, I feel like I've been dealing with such bad pain for nine months that I just, I want as much help as I can get the day of the birth so I can get my little girl and I can just have her. Our little girl. Our little girl. I am 50% of her. You are. But the one thing my friend did say, she 
was giving birth so quickly again that she didn't have time to get the epidural. And she didn't really have in her back pocket some ways to cope with the pain of labor and the transition, which is when the baby's actually coming out, which is so painful. So I've been looking up ways to kind of help me deal with that if for some reason I can't get the epidural or if the epidural doesn't work, whatever happens, and I need help. So you are going to have to start practicing these things with me. So I thought we could try two of them right now. This episode is like okay. very long. Okay, we'll do that next week. Okay, just tell me what it is in the Coles notes. Okay, you're going to have to remind me to do horse lips. Okay. And you're going to have to remind me to do the moaning. I always do. <laughs> <laughs> Not getting any uh, reaction here. Can I get some moans? <laughs> All right, but okay, next week we'll do that because this one's a bit Sounds of a good. doozy of an episode. Uh, lastly, I want just want to talk about the most controversial subject of the year. Wearing masks. Our health professionals in Canada and in the States are recommending that we wear them. Uh, and yeah, I put up a post the other day about how I was feeling uncomfortable in a waiting room because there were- A two, waiting room at a hospital. At a high, and this is a high risk maternal, like prenatal clinic, in a high risk children's hospital. And there are child cancer patients all around the hospital. There are kids with oxygen tanks and it's, it's just generally a place where you want to adhere by the rules and they give everybody a free mask at the front door, right? So it's like, at this point, there's no excuses. You're in an enclosed space with high-risk individuals and you have a free mask, so use it. One woman took hers off, and this is not the first time I've seen this, to eat a sub. <laughs> and eating is not, you know, a really clean activity. Like, you got spit droplets and whatever flying, and there was finger licking, which was shocking in its own because even if there was not a global bank who licks their fingers when they're eating a sub and like, who licks, i can understand if it was kfc but <laughs> who licks their fingers in a waiting room it's a waiting room and like the sub smells weird and it's just like that's what okay, the cafeteria yeah. so is there, for and what was the there's another woman the other woman she did like three different facetime calls in the waiting room and she would take off her mask every single one and she would speak with so much animation to the person on the facetime she'd be laughing and everything and it's like women like me and other people i'm sure are like going in to get checked out because they don't feel good. Well, well, masks aside, even being on a loud FaceTime in a waiting room, that's a it's, bit of it's a... It's weird. Annoyance. It's not, <laughs> yeah. It's, but, but long story short, you did a post about this, which we thought maybe, you know, maybe you'll lose four mm-hmm. followers. It's going to be mildly polarizing at best or at worst, yeah. depending how, how you look at it. But it's got like over 500 comments right now. People are saying you're like uh, impeding on their freedoms. And- uh, I've had women threaten me with violence and tell me that they carry their guns concealed, like they carry their concealed weapons for people like me. And Jeez. just really, really an intense reaction that I was not expecting. Yeah, and it's it's weird because, you know, we're just listening to our government and what we've heard and a lot of these people who are saying all these hateful comments and, and rude things, they seem to be followers of Jesus and Christian. But they're saying things that I couldn't imagine Jesus saying, like, grow a pair. 
<laughs> and uh, what was the other one? Um, so one person told me to grow a pair. One person's like, if your wife is such a uh, priss, maybe she shouldn't even leave the house. I'm like, she doesn't. She only goes to her <laughs> hospital appointments, and that's what she's talking about. I'm not even safe there. Yeah. Oh, and then I, I commented back to uh, another woman because she's our, she was saying, mask kill. Haven't you heard the story about New Jersey? Man wore oh, yeah. a mask, hit a tree, and died. So I'm like, I think people die because they wear seatbelts sometimes. People have died because of an airbag. But anecdotal stories aside, in general, seatbelts are safe to wear. And so airbags are probably safer to have in your car as well. So, yes, there's going to be an isolated incident maybe where a seatbelt strangles you to death because the, <laughs> the accident you got in just happened to happen that perfect way or uh, an airbag hurts you more than it helps you. But in general... We're, we're made to believe that these masks help us. So I was trying to tell the woman that. She's like, yeah, whatever bullshit you're on. <laughs> and I'm like, I check her profile. It's her like holding hands with her family in church with crosses. I know. And it's like, what? Jesus does not approve of this behavior. I'm not religious, but I used to go to Sunday school. And from what I learned, Jesus was such a kind guy. And he would always like, he sacrificed himself yeah. for everyone, right? Yeah. On that cross. Yeah. These people so, don't even want to put a mask on. And here's the thing. I am a Catholic, and just thinking about religion and how people use the guise of religion to kind of hide behind and act any way they want to act in public because they think, oh, whatever, I follow Jesus. And they have like this kind of weird cloud of righteousness around them, and they think that they can do no wrong. But it's like, no, Jesus put himself on the cross, died, was horribly tortured, and if you're a believer of Jesus, then you can't really put a mask on for 10 minutes because it's uncomfortable or for two hours because it's uncomfortable while you're in a place where you're near high-risk people and yeah. save them. And so many people were uh, coming at me about the fact that they're only responsible for their own health and not the health of others, which is also very unchristlike if you want to get religious. And if you're not a religious person, obviously this is just not good morals. It's not very humanly. What's like? What's a good word? Humanly is what I say. <laughs> I'm a humanist, though. Uh, but yeah, I just found that very odd, very jarring, very ironic. Yeah. And uh, also, we had a woman because you know sometimes you, after the first 300 comments, I. I I throw my civilities to the side and I start getting a little bit sarcastic. And by the way, I always tell you, Alex, yeah. don't be sarcastic. Don't give into it. Because if you give these people an inch of snark, mm -hmm. they want to take it for a mile and say that you're racist. Say that, and, and a lot of people try to drag you into some racist Ra Racist people were accusing me of being racist. And I don't even know how they brought that into the argument about mask wearing when the situation I was talking about gave out free masks at the hospital. So, you know, you, you get a little fired up sometimes. You're yeah. like, you want to say some stuff. And I'm like, don't do this, Alex. Yeah. We have to be civil. But I give the advice. But then I start <laughs> I start saying some mildly sarcastic but, but comments. Mildly sarcastic. Very mild. It's just for levity mostly. A woman screen grabs <laughs> one of my comments and sends it to one of our former pod guests. Yeah. Uh, big little feelings. Yeah, fantastic. Who are like, have become our friends. Long story short, that backfired on this woman who was trying to uh, take receipts and, and uh, I guess ruin our credibility. But uh, we might be wrong on wearing masks. We might be right. But let's just all be nice to each other. Yeah. Because, you know, much in the same way when you were young, someone t told you about the Bible and you believe it. 
I believe in what I'm told too, and I could be wrong. Well, Shane, is because you're a sheep. Mm, well, sometimes I like being bad. Hey. Okay, terribly cheesy joke. <laughs> On that note, do we want to go to our first guest? Let's do it. So this is obviously Jillian Harris. She's one of my favorite people we've talked to so far. Oh, it's so and much fun. One of the reasons I love her is because she was so real and willing to go there. And what I mean mm-hmm. by there is anywhere. I'm kind of, uh, by nature, I'm a little bit of a shock jock. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well that, I mean, I play sports, and I'm I'm shockingly good. No, that joke was funny, and it gave me a bit of a contraction. Okay, we're good. We're good. Keep talking. I'm just going to get through it. Well, now I'm scared. No, uh, I know. I've been getting them all day. I just we're wanted fine. to say Jillian was willing to go anywhere, and we did, and uh, she didn't make me feel stupid for asking stupid questions. No, that Jillian have, was the best. My questions sometimes are a little invasive, and she was willing to answer them. It was an awesome interview. Hope you guys enjoy. Okay, so let's go to that interview with Jillian Harris. But first, we are supported by Seedlip. Yes, you heard us making those delicious cocktails at the beginning of the episode. We're not making them. We were just drinking them. We're enjoying the ones that I made. And, of course, it is the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. It is very cool. So it's crafted without alcohol, without sugar, or calories. You know I love that it has zero calories. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it, Seed Love Spirit solved the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, for pregnancy like me, or forever. As a non-drinker, it never feels great. When the only options are water, sodas, and sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. It really does taste like you're drinking an alcoholic beverage it's like it's almost like uh how people love the beyond meat burger better than they love real burgers yeah no that's the only analogy i could really you know what i get that and i actually hate mocktails because i can never get one that's not super sweet or not full of sugar or it just doesn't taste like juice seedlip actually gives me the vibe of sitting in a cool bar sipping something tasty So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every drinker. Crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals, each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, which we use tonight, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair perfectly with a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, like the ones that you'll find in the Seedlip cocktail book, which is what we use tonight to make our amazing vanilla cocktail. And you know what? Seedlip pairs perfectly with this Family Tree podcast. Just kick back, relax, have a couple of Seedlip drinks, and enjoy the show, because this is a long one. (laughs) <laughs> so if you are interested in getting into Seedlip like us and making your go-to, head to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and follow at Seedlip Social on Instagram for even more ways and more ideas to enjoy it. And another benefit. What? Alex doesn't burp anymore. <laughs> Little backstory, we had to stop drinking non-alcoholic beer for that reason. <laughs> Moving on. It is so fitting that we are supported by Hello Bello. And I think it is because a lot of people consider me to be like the Canadian Dak Shepherd. <laughs> we have heard that one. And Hello Bello was co-founded by parents Kristen Bell and Dak Shepherd. Are you the Canadian Kristen Bell? Definitely not. 
I sound like a dying chicken when I sing, <laughs> but this line does give parents peace of mind knowing that every product is made using safe, effective ingredients and organic botanicals when possible. Because everyone deserves premium products. But you don't want to pay the premium prices. It's true. From diaper changes to outdoor adventures, Hello Bello delivers greater comfort and performance with their diapers, the wipes, shampoo, body wash, conditioner, baby lotion, baby powder, bubble bath, detangler, diaper rash cream, vitamins, and laundry detergent. Wow, you're like the micro machines guy. Thank you. Do you know what I mean by that? No. Oh, he talks really fast. <laughs> and I realize this may make me sound like a shallow person, but I love their diapers just because of the way they look. They do look amazing. So if you want to say hello to organic ingredients and goodbye to the bad stuff, go to hellobello.ca and use this family tree 30 at the checkout for 30% off your first diapers and wipes bundle. It almost seems too good to be true, but I'm going to believe it. Otherwise, we wouldn't <laughs> be saying all this. But on to our interview with Jillian Harris. Hey, Jillian, are you able to hear us? Don't even know what I look like right now. You look great. It was a rough morning. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You guys are so cute. We try. You look like Hollywood stars. We got Johnny Depp on my left. And like, oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, I, I so what I've been doing is I've been falling asleep with Leo. I, I have a glass of wine. I have dinner, have a glass of wine, laid Leo down. Justin's like, don't fall asleep tonight. I need to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I won't. And then I fall asleep with Leo. Justin comes in, pokes me a few times. I'm like, I can't, I can't get up. And he's like, mom, sleep in. I sleep until like seven. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, kids work. I missed out on yesterday. Justin, do you still need to talk? I got to go. I'm on a, I'm in a conference. Justin's like, don't forget to talk to the nanny. Don't forget we're going away this weekend. I'm I about to go out the door. I'm like, oh, I forgot. I'm um, attending a conference today, like virtually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to like not be in a romper. I've got to put makeup on for the office. I turn around, put on makeup. <laughs> it's a crazy day, but that's okay. That's what I live for. Right. <laughs> That was actually one of my first questions I wanted to ask you. You seem like you are so busy all the time. So I find I'm in that phase two of my life where I'm just always go, go, go. I'm doing my side hustle. I have my full-time job. And the quarantine just exacerbated all of my things. that I, I felt like I was already going too fast and now I'm even going faster. So sometimes I feel like I'm sacrificing a good life now for a better life in the future do you ever feel that way well yes but i'm starting like it's funny actually i was listening to this uh conference this morning and the author of eat pray love who i didn't even know she was a part of this conference she was like chances are if you're like oh i'm just gonna work really hard right now so that i can be less busy later or i'm just gonna do this now so i can relax later it ain't gonna happen mm -hmm. because she's like you have to just whatever moment you're in if you actually feel like you need to have less anxiety or relax you just you just have to do it because it's not gonna happen when this happens or when that happens because you're gonna create something else for yourself mm -hmm. which is a part of who I am but so I'm this is gonna like this is like already like without even like a formal introduction hi how you guys doing <laughs> so it is who I am and I love that about myself because it is part of why I take on so much and my business has mm -hmm. grown and I've created these different opportunities and whatnot so a part of me does love that about myself I can get a lot of shit done and it's pretty cool but at the same time 
there is something that I need to start to unpack about myself as to why I do that to myself. Because I remember just, I have these moments, these whispers in my mind. And one is from my old boss who owns Big Coat Productions. She, I would always just say like, Maria, the schedule isn't working for me. Like I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And I remember having a breakdown and I remember, I don't like the way she said it, but I remember her saying something like, what is wrong with you? that you have to do this to, to yourself to the, like, like there, there, there's something deeper going on there. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have to put this much on your schedule? And I remember being defensive, being like, mind your own damn business. Like, this is like, <laughs> like, this is what's important to me. But then also Justin and I were in counseling a while back. And I remember the conversation counseling, but I remember the conversation was very like, Oh yeah. So the counselor's taking my side, like kind of thing. Right. But then, but then in the same breath, he was like, why are you so busy? What's going on? Like, you're not the only business person in the world. You're not the only entrepreneur. You know, the only person running these like multi-million dollar businesses. Humble brag. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there's like two things within myself. I do feel like I'm working really, really hard to have like a better life later. Mm at the same time, I really love what I do. Yeah. I really, really love, I haven't, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't loved it in the last couple months. I feel like we are constantly in a state of reaction and realizing we did this wrong. We've done that wrong. How do we change? Mm-hmm. So it's been uncomfortable in the last few months, but also I like the challenge, but um, I really love what I do and I'm passionate about it. And I'm, I think I'm addicted to it. And um, yeah, so I'm trying to create boundaries now in my life where I can just shut, like literally shut it off at 5.30 and be with the kids and Mm -hmm. sleep more and camp more and like have those boundaries. Is that working? It is kind of actually. And and it's not because I'm not going to credit myself for that. I'm going to credit Justin because Justin's actually pretty hard on me. And like, I probably in a good way, I don't like it, but he's just like, (laughs) like, what, what are you doing? Get off your phone. Get up yeah. your phone. We're having. I'm trying to talk to you. It's 8 p.m. What? Why are you doing that right now? Like, what? Why are you taking a call mm-hmm. at 8 p.m.? So he's kind of hard on me. And so for that, for my fear of Justin giving me shit, I'm kind of like, okay, sorry, no, but I can't take a call after mm-hmm. 5:30. I think I need to get up on Shane because he stresses himself the hell out. And I was just curious. Like, I was going to ask you before you said that. Does Justin get pissed when totally. you're so busy? And I, like, I don't get pissed, but I see that it takes a toll on Shane like crazy. And like, I'm doing just as much. Like, I'm working. We have side projects, taking care of the kids. And but I put I, my phone down more than you. Right, but mm. I'm doing stuff like part of my business is online. So that I'm getting pissed at you way more than you're getting pissed. <laughs> no, at me. but I mean because it, it it impacts how this is you... me and Justin right now. This <laughs> right? is me and Justin. Like right it now. impacts yeah. how he reacts to other things, like his busyness, and because he's got so much going on in his mind, I feel like he's more prone to snapping or like getting frustrated. Are you like that with Justin? So um, that is something else I've been working on in my life because I am a very reactive person Mm. and I grew up with parents, like we grew up very volatile, like fighting, throwing dishes, slamming doors, like that kind of stuff. So I have been, do you guys have kids by the way? Yeah. Yeah. We have a a daughter and one on, she's eight and a half months pregnant. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Congratulations. Let me see this bump. Oh my God. Amazing. (laughs) You know what you're having? You were having another girl. So it's gonna be Lucy and Betty. That's exciting. Yeah. So once Leo was born, I realized it was okay if he saw Justin and I disagree mm-hmm. and argue because I think that that's normal. I don't want to completely shield that from my kids. But what what I experienced was not healthy. Like I yeah. experienced like a lot of 
fuck you and slap like so a lot of things that just weren't right my parents are since are like the sweetest loveliest they're still together they have mm-hmm. worked so hard on their relationship they are really like such a success story but I realized I wanted it to be different for for my kids I wanted to break that that um cycle, or whatever yeah. cycle and Justin's parents were the opposite almost to a default as well like of course they fought but they per- sh- shielded their kids from any mm-hmm. of that when Leah was born, I realized I needed to communicate differently. I used to be like a pot thrower. So I have had to learn how to like figure out how to deal with my wishes and how to like walk away from situations. So I actually don't snap as much because I've really been working yeah. on it. But Justin is, I mean, he's young still. He's 10 years younger than me. I think he kind of still needs to work on that. He'd probably disagree with me if he was <laughs> We are both just like European, very reactive people to begin with. But I do find that when he walks through the door and I, when I see his truck pull up, mm-hmm. I have to go, I have to like take a deep breath and I have to be like, okay, let go of all that tension and anxiety that built up today because now is my family time. Yep. And I know that I am on edge. I know that I'm going to be reactive. And then Justin's going to be like, what the hell? We are not your business. Like he always says, like, I don't work for you. I'm not your employee. Like Mm -hmm. I'm your husband. Like, so I have to switch this brain from like office jail or from a career jail to like family loving fiance jail. And that's really difficult to do when you're running at such a high intense speed and level Mm -hmm. all day. It's really tough, especially this work is kind of, it's kind of fun in a way. It's hard, but it's fun when you're in kind of the wild west, which is this Instagram television world. And I noticed in some interviews I watched, you are quite vocal uh, that you and Justin have gone through some problems. Do you think your ability to fight through those problems and be at such a good place now Mm -hmm. is because you saw it work with your own parents? Oh, well, I wouldn't say we're at such a good place now, but thank you. But (laughs) I was watching an old interview. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I think that um, we will continue till the day we die, continue to learn more about each other and how to communicate better. We are at a really good place. I'm just joking, but we still have a lot. We still have a lot of growing to do and figuring out how to communicate and we're saying sorry to each other for things we never used to say sorry to or we're stopping ourselves like we're really growing so fast but I do think both of us don't want to repeat what our parents did even though Justin's parents technically did it better than my parents so to speak there's still certain things that you good things and bad things you learn. Like I've learned so many amazing things from Justin's parents. In fact, our counselor, Justin and I's counselor is Justin and Justin's parents counselor. We, we share the same marriage counselor. Oh wow! And that's actually really helpful. I wish my parents also went to the same guy because he can see where some of the issues came from. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? So it's really, it's actually really cool. It's really beneficial, but there are things that Justin and I have both learned from both of our parents that have that we benefited from and things that we haven't. And I think my parents are proud of like my, I would never want my kids to go through what I went through, but at the same time, it did allow me to see what I don't want, how Mm -hmm. to do things differently. And it allowed me to like trigger. I'm like, Oh, wait a second. I see this is going to be a problem down the road. Whereas if I didn't experience that, I might not be able to catch that. So um, I think, you know, our upbringing had a lot to do with it. Luckily, we both have parents that even though like Justin's dad is Italian, so he's like a big firecracker as well. (laughs) But Justin's mom is like 
calm. She was a teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher for like 40 years. So she's calm, cool, collected. I've never seen her triggered. And when she is triggered, she's like, nope, sorry, I'm not having this discussion. I'll talk to you later when everybody cools down. And she walks away. I'm like, how did she do this? (laughs) I've learned so much from her and I've learned, yeah, totally. See, honestly, like growing up, I never heard anything about counseling. It wasn't until I started, you know, I was an adult and like friends were talking about going to counseling with their significant others and things like that. I'm like, this is a thing. And it seems so daunting. And in my mind, it was like, you don't go to counseling unless you're like totally invested and on the verge of homicide. And it's just so, it's so much more common than that. So why do you think that counseling works so well for you guys? Like, was it just opening your eyes or or what? Yeah, so when, when Justin and I met, I was like 34, 35. He was like 24. He was super young. We both drank a lot. Um, although my career was successful to some, mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of responsibility. So like there wasn't really a lot of structure in our lives. He was professional snowboarder, but knew that he could do that forever. So I think there was just a lot of tension in our, both of our lives. Just like, mm-hmm. where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we? And I think our parents really believed in us in our relationship. So when we kind of like broke up one summer and Justin's mom loves me. So she was like, I will not let this happen. (laughs) It's not going to happen on my watch. So they offered for us to do this counseling. And because my, I grew up with my parents, like always like breaking up and getting back together all the time. And my mom has a severe bipolar. Mm. She's doing great right now. We always grew up with like therapists, counselors, psychologists Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I went to counseling a lot. After I went on The Bachelor and I was basically dumped, I was very, very unwell. And so I remember going to a counselor and I was feeling like how cathartic it was. So counseling and getting like professional help has always been something on my side that our family has always been like very vocal about and very open to. But even now, like within my business self, my personal self, um, I really believe in that investment, not only as a couple, but as an individual and it being something that you have to maintain, just like going to the gym, just like drinking water. So even with our team here, not only do we have a spending allowance that the team can use on anything they want, I don't care if it's like, it can be counseling, it could be eyeglasses, it be massage but it's basically just like a a mental health personal health um, amazing and so there's no questions asked it's all so I don't care what it is if you if I get that invoice it just gets paid I don't ask Mm -hmm. and also it's not just for them it's for their entire family as well that's so good because if somebody's husband is going through a tough time it's going to affect them as well absolutely So anyways, that's really important, but we also have somebody on top of that and she is a stress coach manager. And so they also have free reign to use her as much as they want with no cap. So we meet with us as a team about once a month and then each individual meets with her once a month to just like vent like about the job, the personal life, just whatever it is. And I really believe and that it is daunting because you have to schedule that time and then you have to dig deep and it takes a lot of energy, but you learn so much about yourself and you learn how to like grow within yourself. You figure out like what you need to change about yourself. And so to answer your question, Justin and I, we sometimes we fall off the train where we're like, oh, we, we had all these segments booked with Sig is his name. Yeah. Oh, like Sigmund. Like, yeah. 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 Where, where are you guys located? Oh, we're in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's in Calgary. Um, but anyways, then we, then we forget and then we don't see SIG for like two or three months. And then all of a sudden something happens. We have an argument and we're like doing this. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, SIG taught us how to deal with this. 
we need to like it needs to be an air you need to keep up with it even if it's once, once a month like you need to continue to have those conversations and keep up with it and i really think that even until we're 80 years old there's still gonna be things that are driving us crazy about each other mm-hmm. but but we can keep on working on it. Uh, even without the age difference, men seem to want to, and I don't want to be too stereotypical here, but hang on to that party, boys' night, lifestyle longer. And yeah. even with that 10 years difference being younger, I would think he'd be hanging on to the adolescency way longer than you would probably like. I'm oh, yeah. and, and it's kind of a gamble. When the kid comes, is he going to let go of that or is he going to embrace fatherhood? Which direction did Justin go? So it's funny because Sig, our counselor, caught on in one of our counseling sessions before we had Leo, caught on that I wasn't on birth control and that I basically just wanted to get pregnant. He was like, <laughs> this is not what you need right now. This is not what you need. I'm like, Sig, I'm going to be 36. Like, I want to get pregnant. And he's like, this is, that's not right. That's selfish. Like, you, you shouldn't do it. And I, you're right. It was a gamble because Justin was a partier and that was part of like our issues. We both partied a lot, but as soon as we got pregnant, it, it could have gone one or two ways, but it actually made us both realize that for once we were both passionate about things, but they were separate things. And now we had one common thing to be passionate about. And so it really, really reined us in. And actually it's funny because it was Justin who, who went um, now, Justin, like I pretty much have a glass of wine every night and I'm always looking like, who wants to party with me? <laughs> but Dustin is actually the opposite. So now like, he's like, I got to mow my lawn. I got to do this. I got to get to bed early. Like, so he, it did change him for right. sure. And now all of his friends, they're not dads yet. So he kind of feels like he's going through this separation with mm-hmm. his friends. He really misses them and he, he doesn't go up to wing night. Like he doesn't really enjoy that socializing anymore. He really is like, interesting. A yeah, so it did work great in my favor. Yeah, I don't want to advocate gambling too much, but sometimes <laughs> it does pay off. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so Justin like likes to golf and cut his lawn, and like he's such a grandpa now. Where I like we went camping last weekend, and I'm like, hey, do you want to have a Caesar for breakfast? He's like, I'm not drinking at nine o'clock. <laughs> Wait a second, isn't that what camping's but you're all about? Camping. Yeah. But yeah, so he's actually gotten much more responsible, but it was a bit of a gamble and, and I'm grateful for it. I mean, oh my goodness. They always say too, like, you know, don't have kids until you're at a great place. But like you were saying, when you talk about growth, there's always going to be shit coming in your life as you age, as you go through things that are going to take you off of that great path and throw you into a place of unknown territory. And I think having a kid immensely, not that we were in like huge trouble, but I think it immensely helped our relationship too. Mm -hmm. And people ask me that and I'm like, you know, honestly, I have to say having a kid did help. Like it was great. So I want to know, you said you guys didn't have like one common passion. So now that you have these kids that are like your common passion, do you think that's given you enough development together that when the day comes, I know it's far away, but once the kids are out. Do you think that'll give you enough of a connection to keep going? I actually worry about that. I don't know if I've ever really communicated that with Justin. Maybe I have. But I'm like, what are we going to do when the kids leave us? Are we going to be friends? Are we going to want to do stuff together? Like, what is it? Like, he really, really loves golf. And I don't mind golf. We like camping. Mm -hmm. I think we like traveling. Um, We do have different interests, for sure. But Uh, Like the other day, I was like, why don't we make dinner together? Or why don't we do this? Like, but I do think that we're learning to be friends again. Like when Mm -hmm. we first started hanging out, our connection was like, it was 10 years ago. We would go like four by fouring. We'd go partying, (laughs) we'd go traveling. 
and whatnot. But we didn't really talk about like the deep down, like yeah. things that were like really deep rooted within us. We just kind of like were young, drunk and fell in love. And that was that. And so now it is our kids, but I see us starting and this happened with my parents as well and I see the same thing with my parents like now they actually even though they have different interests they actually just enjoy being in each other's company Mm -hmm. and so I see us learning to become friends again because the first part of our relationship was just like it was always just like trying to figure out how to make it work Mm -hmm. and then it was kids 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 and now that we're getting the groove of like the kids and our schedule it's like hey remember when we fell in love like let's get to know each other again so I don't know what that will look like but I see that I see the possibilities i see how i think a whole new relationship will evolve yeah. and we're kind of falling in love in love with each other again and learning from each other and just as sig our counselor would say just being softer with each other again because mm-hmm. i think we're always really hard i don't know what yeah. you guys but i feel like just and i are pretty hard on each other we're harder on each other than we would be our own friends our mm-hmm. own yeah that's yeah. the problem with the ones you love you tend to be the meanest yeah. too because uh, yeah. there's that level of comfort can sometimes ruin you. <laughs> Who's number one in your house? It's kind of a hard question, but I, I'd like a real answer here. Who's number one, your spouse or your kids? All the kids. Right. Okay. I don't know if that, that's probably not healthy, but I'm just being honest. It, it, it is. Yeah. I mean, the kids. And I think that's something like when Justin and I go to our, our counseling, mm-hmm. whenever we go to counseling, like before I go to, I'm like, we need to go see SIG. And then before I book SIG, I'm like, oh, shit. He's going to ask us if we have gone on a date, if we'd made time for each other, <laughs> check, like all the things he's asking us, yeah. the daily check-ins, the date nights, like we haven't been doing that. Like shit. We, he's like, please don't book a, a point with me and say, I haven't done the daily check-ins. I haven't made time with each other. He's like, you're just wasting my time right. and also your money. I'm just going to mm-hmm. tell you the same thing over and over again, pardon my language, but I'm just going to tell you the same thing until you guys start doing that. So that is something that I think we, I mean, we're just so busy too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know about you guys, but you know, you wake up in the morning when the kids wake up, right? So all of a sudden, first thing in the morning, it's you hit the ground running. It's dogs peeing, let the dogs out, sc- scratching, barking, crying. I need this. I need that. And then before you know it, it's 738. Nanny's coming in through the front door. You're running out the door with the coffee. So you come home at 530. It's dinner time. You're trying to communicate with your spouse and you're still like kind of debriefing from the day. You're still getting the odd message, the odd little email whatnot. You're kind of distracted. You're having dinner. Then you clean up dinner, bathe the kids, you get them to bed. And then it's nine o'clock. If you're still awake, you might be able to have a conversation, but that conversation is you're, you're at your most exhausted point. You're, you're at your breaking point of the day. So you're not having meaningful conversations if you're having a conversation and that basically cycle repeats itself. Monday through Friday, and then Saturday you're you're making plans and you're camping and you're with people and you're traveling and you're so it is it is like you know even with this you know COVID and this big shift that's happened I don't know for you guys but for me with the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. movement uh, whatever it may be it was a huge awakening for me and a huge bubble that I popped and I was like I want to learn I want to do better yeah. I want to take these courses I want to take these workshops I want to hire and I'm looking at my schedule I'm like okay so when's this gonna happen like I'm falling asleep with my airpods in like listening to these workshops and whatnot and i'm like how do people find time to read a book or Have work sex. Out? yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> that sex uh, how is yes, how, yes, how yes. i don't want to get personal here but oh yeah how is physical intimacy in your life to alex that's part of her love language is doing it i love it um, oh good for you justin <laughs> oh, i told justin the other day 98 of women do not want to have sex justin okay i'm not the only one so i just met the other two percent <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah but, but even i'm getting tired like i'm too tired for it Sorry, most babe. days <laughs> but it's it's hard and it's like where the hell do you fit 
this kind of thing in, especially with everything that's going on. And even without everything that's going on, just in your life, because yeah. that's it's it's constant mm-hmm. and it's so constant. I think that's why I get pissed off at Shane when he's easily snappy or yeah. too caught up in his thoughts. Because like, look, we don't have time for this. Like, if we got yeah. five minutes, let's use that five minutes. But yeah, totally. I don't even think we can find that time. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's this also like I keep on reminding myself to be gentle on myself because I see other people doing all this work are finding this time. But we are just at a stage of our, of our life right, right now and probably will be for the next five years where we are just going to be like full throttle. And like yeah. our parents didn't do this. Our parents, one person worked, the other one was a stay at home mom. They had, they, if they worked, it was like nine to five. They had very clear boundaries. Like it was different back then. And so we are now all, you know, working parents parents and we're taking on a lot we're so connected yeah luckily for the sex thing like I used to like always like avoid it because I was like I'm just too busy but now with this I've, I've I'm kind of like Justin's like you're a new woman if he wants to golf six days a week if that's what makes you happy mm-hmm. and that and that fuels you you go ahead and do it like I actually I used to get mad at him and I realized I got mad at him because he got to get out and do something that was good yes. for him but I didn't. And Justin was like, well, you go do something. And I'm like, I don't want to do anything. He's like, well, then that's your decision. Yeah. Right. If you want to, if you're a homebody and you want to stay home, then you can't get mad at me because I want to go golf. So now I'm like, whatever makes you happy, you do it. And he's like, woohoo. <laughs> but the other thing is with sex, I'm like, I probably won't instigate sex because I'm just busy and I'm just mm-hmm. like thinking what are the things and then I want to go to sleep. But now I'm like, fine. If you feel like there's an opportunity of sex, we've got five minutes, there's no kids around, fine. Drop in my drawers, let's do it. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, it, yeah, yeah. And so I've just started to just be less resistant because these are the things that connect us and make yeah. him happier. And like the happier he is, the happier I'll be. And like that just, you know, it's it's important. It's important. Yeah. How often do you think we're talking here? Like once a month? Is that healthy? Like I'm always trying to find no, like... I, he's young. I think it's like, well, he would probably tell you once a month, but I think it's twice a week. Oh, that's, that's great. That's good. Oh, that's yeah. great. It, it has to be at least once a week. Otherwise, if not, he is complaining. And when Justin complains, it's just too unbearable. <laughs> like, I just can't. No. I feel Justin, though. I think you could empathize with Jillian. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, possibly. It's not that I don't want it. It's just that I'm worried to pl- properly gratify you. It's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> and I don't yeah. want to be the guy who gets satisfied and turns over and goes to sleep because he's lazy. <laughs> You know, I don't think she, I don't think she cares. We actually yeah. care less yeah. than what you think. And like, yeah. I think it's so funny that this turned into a sex conversation. <laughs> along with all women, but like after the time, I don't even care if it lasts long. Like, don't apologize if it if it ends like quickly. Like, I'm like, great, perfect. Like, you're happy. I'm happy. Like, let's we got her done. Some days it's going to last an hour. Some days it's going to last five minutes, whatever. Like, it's I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. Like, it's and sometimes it's like sometimes it's not even as good for one person as is the other but you did that thing and your body's touching you kiss and you hug and then that's great yeah. well the problem is for her i would have not the problem but i've realized <laughs> that it's for her it's less about the sex and more about literally the intimacy and what yeah. that represents and it makes yeah. her feel loved whereas for me i just want to <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah yeah that's okay yeah. That's, that's so funny because justin is like this is like completely swapped mm. for you guys justin really needs that like his love language is touched did you guys yeah. read the seven love languages she yes. did and regurgitated it to me yeah so is yours is physical touch is that yours? yes 100 what's yours when people do acts ta- acts that's me. That's me. Active <laughs> service. Yeah. Yes. Service. Like you want to make me hot and heavy. 
wash the fucking floors. The floors are filthy. But that's not fun. <laughs> yeah, when I see Justin like tidying up the kids' stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that's my lovely. It's like it's acts of service. So you and it's so funny because that's ingrained in your head, and mm. then to try to, and then you realize, okay, now I have to think about what this person needs, even though that's not how I communicate. That is the challenge. Like recognizing yeah. Yeah. the easy thing, but trying to meet your other partner's love language. That's the hard, hard thing because Justin, like, oh, he works hard. Like our yard is like it, our yard is like the the Bouchard Gardens. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's like, look how amazing our yard is. I'm like, yeah, I know, but what about and he's like, okay, no, I'm not doing, I'm not washing the like, I'm not gonna wash the floors three times a day. It, it, it doesn't need to get done. Yeah. So, anyways, trying to figure out what your person's love language is, is and then all of a sudden, and then also them recognizing that you're trying. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes if it's your love language, I think it's harder to recognize as well because it's what you're used to. Yeah. Right. So like uh, Justin's is touch. And so then I if I do touch then he's like, oh, this feels good. But he's not like, holy shit, Jill's touching me. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to remind him, hey, like, I touched you. <laughs> <laughs> so after yeah. this interview, I'm going to go and I'm going to unload the dishwasher. Yes. And then I'm going to unload. Well, <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is totally inappropriate. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I'll ask a, a parenting question. And this is... <laughs> sorry. Uh, and I'm totally off. I was born and raised in northern Alberta. Like, you, there's nothing that... So you're cool. Okay, good. Good to know. Uh, yeah, I was listening to some of your interviews before this, and I noticed you were able to drop a few F-bombs, so I am more comfortable with you. But I wanted to ask kind of a difficult question. Yeah. Who do you think is a better parent, you or Justin, and why? <gasps> Told you it was hard. God, I mean, if I had to choose, holy shit. Um, it's strange because... Justin is definitely more um, intuitive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the kind of mom that's like, you're okay, you're fine. Like, let's get going. Come on, everybody, let's get going. Like, um, like I, I'm busy. I, my, like, I'm. You're a manager. But but Justin is very, like I would say, like maybe I'm I'm a better planner. I'm thinking about like registering the kids for like I'm the one that organizes everything. I'm the one that's organizing their clothes. I'm the one that's making the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm the one that's signing them up for the classes and the courses and, and like whatnot. But those things aren't really important to him, and I'm not really sure those things are really important to the kids. Mm-hmm. But he's the one like. For example, how we raise our kids, like the, he's the one that's the other days that he was like, I noticed that we're giving Leo ultimatums. And he's like, I, I don't like that. I don't want that for our kids. Um, so and with the nanny and with you and with me, no more ultimatums. Like if you don't eat your dinner, you're not getting this. Yeah. I was like, cool. Like I never thought of it that way. So he's really thinking about things from like a bird's eye level. And he's really like honing in on the, these things that I'm not noticing mm-hmm. because I'm busy organizing this and making this and making that and doing this. So like from the day-to-day activities, I and say like I'm better like I'm I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing all these things but he's really really deep rooted in thinking about what like he's the one that's thinking well it, do we really want to put them back into daycare because he's always worried about are, are yeah. they going to get sick or like what are they learning at daycare I'm like they're fine just get them out of the house like they're going to be okay so I would have to say it's a bit of a tie but he's definitely better at thinking about the matters of the heart and mm-hmm. like really analyzing and picking apart why we're doing things and how it's going to affect the kids. Kind right. Of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they say you marry yeah. your deficits and it sounds like that's kind of what happened here. So yeah. It's like totally. a perfect balance. 
Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane is actually like that. He's the very intuitive guy and he takes that into our parenting. And recently on our podcast, it started with a conversation with Aaron Chalor, Raw Beauty Talks. And she's amazing, right? And she had Shane in absolute tears over just how we talk to our daughter and things like that because he had never thought about the fact that calling her pretty might have an effect. And I, I didn't think of it too much either. And that's kind of shifted, you know, know. so much conversation in our house. And I was so curious with you because you are outspoken about having gotten a nose job. It was something you didn't feel comfortable with. And I'm curious as to how you would bring that into your parenting. Like if Annie is, you know, 17 and she's like, mom, I'm not happy with this. Can I change Mm -hmm. it? Do you go the learn to love it way? Or do you go the, okay, let's do what makes you happy and let's change it? Yeah. So actually I've had many conversations with Erin as well. And I think she is so smart and so amazing. Um, but her and I um, have a little bit different perspectives when it comes to that. And actually we had this, like, it was like a healthy, awesome debate, but in this, there was this time where like, maybe it was like six months ago or a year ago, everybody was judging pretty feeds, like pretty mm-hmm. Instagram feeds and how it didn't have to be pretty. And you had to, like it also how it didn't make other people feel good. Right. But at the same time, that's where I'm grateful for my Insta stories because people can see like, I, my pretty feed isn't because I'm afraid to show who I really am. I just love creating. Yeah. I love beautiful things. I love like, it's like a magazine. I love making things look beautiful. I like making my, I like making my avocado toast look pretty and sharing it with the world. Like there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. And um, sometimes, for some people self-care is making themselves look pretty so Mm -hmm. not everybody is comfortable showing that they have a booger in their nose or that they have cellulite no it Mm -hmm. it depends on what you're comfortable with so to be accepted in this world you don't have to be like hey look at I have rules too Mm -hmm. because that might not be something you're not comfortable with you might want to be like I worked really hard I want to work out and this is what I need and so when it comes to your personal looks I think one of the ways my parents raised me was that like I was beautiful inside and out. That kindness to myself was important. You know, my mom actually was, even though she suffered with bipolar, my parents had their own like struggles. Both my parents, I think, were very wise when it came to how they raised me. Like Mm -hmm. you can do anything you put your mind to, treat others with kindness, be easy on yourself, love yourself. You know, my parents were just so incredible that, and also I grew up an only child. So I I did grow up with a lot of attention. Not only was I, uh, only child but I remember like aunts uncles and cousins like I was like the golden child like everybody was, oh look how cute Jill is she can do no wrong and it's actually coming back to bite me in the ass because when I get feedback about the way I run my business or who mm-hmm. I am in my first reaction is like are you kidding me I'm, I'm I can do no wrong because that's how I was yeah. raised right mm-hmm. I, I don't really remember many times in my life where somebody was like you need to change or you're calling you which is awesome, but also it has its yeah. its repercussions as well. But I do not regret uh, getting a nose job. Um, and I also get Botox once or twice a year. And I go and get facials. And um, I like having a tan. Um, I hate working out. And so therefore, <laughs> therefore, I just have this role. And that is a part of me. But if yeah. that rule bothered me about myself, I would go and work out. Mm-hmm. So I think there's things that I think that if any, I'm going to raise my kids to love themselves yeah. and to treat themselves kindly. But if Annie grows up and she has my nose and she doesn't like it then she can change it if she wants to and I will support that but as long as I can see that her actual confidence Mm -hmm. like 
Oh, maybe she will have my nose and maybe she'll love it. Like Justin looks at old pictures of me and he's like, I loved your old nose better. I'm like, what? No way. Like I like your old nose. And some people are like, just you are who you are. Yeah. And that's fine too. But there are some people that want to make changes, whether it be cut their hair, dye their hair. Maybe they want to work out. Maybe they want to have a six pack. The same reason why we want to, not to say it's an improvement, because you can improve your heart and soul, mm -hmm. but like changing your nose, is that an improvement? I don't know. But I try to be open-minded with that subject mm -hmm. because everybody has their own reasons for doing things. And I like to respect those reasons yeah. as long as it's not hurting others. And as long as deep down in your heart, you really, really do love yourself. And if you want to change your nose, go ahead and change your nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to change my nose for the longest time. I was teased oh. about it quite a bit growing up. I actually flew to Beverly Hills. What they say about a guy with a big nose, though. It's not true. It's not true. Uh, I can't lie to Alex. If, if, we're, if, if I just had a crush on her, I'd say it is, but she's seen it all. Uh, but I flew to Beverly Hills. I, I went to the appointment. I, I just got so scared it was going to get botched and my nose would actually be worse. Like, how, yeah. how many fears did you have? Like, what if I do this and it looks bad? Yeah, part of who I am also, which is a good thing and a bad thing, is I don't think about repercussions that often. <laughs> so in a good way, that's been like allowed me to take a lot of risk. I'm like, oh shit, let's give it a shot. But because I don't think about repercussions, a lot of times I do things without thinking. And I'm like, ooh, that wasn't a good decision. Mm -hmm. right. But yeah, no, did not think about that at all. Um, and uh, like I did something the other, I did like Botox once um, a long time ago, different doctor than what I have now. And she was like, I think you should do this, this, and this. And I literally walked out of there like, like, like cheeks. <laughs> So scary. Dustin was like, what is wrong with your face? And it took like six months for my face to go back to normal. But um, I'm glad you didn't get it because this is a weird thing. Like I'm probably going to get flack for saying this, but w women who have big noses, sometimes it looks amazing. Like Barbara Streisand, there's yes. some women were, and also who's that girl from Dirty Dancing? Oh, I love her. Jennifer Grey. I love her. He, yeah. He stopped liking her though once she got the nose job. Yeah. yeah I liked her and better her before. Better, and maybe mine was like I don't know, but there is something about a man with a big nose that is really sexy. I know sometimes women with a big nose that it is sexy too, but mm -hmm. I just always wanted a dainty little nose, and so yeah. I, I got I got one. Well, yeah. so for me, I'm having uh, another. I have a daughter. I have another one on the way, and part of the reason I was crying in the Aaron Trelore thing, I was just, and I know this is so uh, surface level to be crying over, but I was thinking, what if my daughter gets my nose and she's considered ugly? Do you ever, because I, I feel like there is a higher importance and I don't think there should be on women's beauty than a man being a beautiful person. Yeah. Does that ever concern you when you look at your child? Like, what if he gets my bad qualities or what if my children inherit something that's physically ugly? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I so funny in this interview. One thing I'm known for is I'm just going to always be transparent. And sometimes I'll say things that are like really insightful and whatnot. And sometimes I'm just going to say things that maybe people don't agree with, but I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. I do think about that with my kids. I mean, Leo is tiny um, and he's short. And I, so when I was six years old, I had to go to the children's hospital because I was only 30 pounds and oh. I was so short. And everybody was like, what is wrong with her? But there was nothing wrong with me. I just was small. And then growing up, I actually didn't like my nose and I didn't like how short I was and I didn't have big boobs and I had no boobs and I wasn't getting my period and it was really hard on me and I think that's like kids just go through that and then when I came off The Bachelor there was all of these like trolls on these forums saying like she has a hot dog one of the reason why I got my nose job is I always remember like I didn't really love my nose but it didn't my, it was my boobs that bothered me the most yeah. but when I started reading these comments like she has a hot dog nose she's so ugly all that kind of stuff it did make me feel uglier and it did 
hurt me. And that is part of the reason why I got a nose job, but it's fine. I healed from that. And, mm -hmm. I, and I do worry about that. Like what if Leo is really short and he can't get a girlfriend because he's too small? Or what if Annie does get my nose and people make fun of her from it? Or like my dad's genes are all like, everybody's really like slender and skinny, but my mom's side, everybody is quite big and then that's mm -hmm. okay too. Mm -hmm. And Annie is an eater and she's definitely got some more like girth than Leo. So then, you know, you guys watch um, This Is Us. And so yeah. I'm thinking like, oh, what happens if like Annie has struggles with her weight and like, how will that, how will we deal with that? But I think that is unfortunately the reality for all people. Yeah. Even like Justin, I had no idea. Justin grew up like they were wealthy. They were smart. Um, he was always a good looking kid. He always was like in sports. And I didn't realize recently that he was like bullied in high school and that like he, there were certain things that I never realized about him. And so I think regardless of how beautiful you are or how smart you are or how well off you are, you are not free from or protected from bullying or insecurities and the pain that all that brings. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So all I can do as a parent is from now until then, remind them of how beautiful they are, how mm -hmm. smart they are, how talented they are, that all that matters is what's in the inside. And when, not if, when they do come to me crying because somebody made them feel sad, somebody walked away from them, somebody called them fat, somebody called them a big nose, all I can do there is be for them, mm -hmm. be there yeah. for them. And they will grow from that experience. Yeah. And that is just, unfortunately, the reality of the world. The world is cruel. The world is yeah. not fair. And I do worry about that. But all I can do is be the best parent and just be there for my kids and know that they can come to me and hopefully protect them from, you know, what, ha like I was said to Justin the other day, even worse, what about these poor you know, kids who are growing up and they realize that they are, you know, going through a transgender um, yes. experience or they realize that they are gay and they're having to figure out how to come out and how to talk to their family about that. And then there's a lot of kids who are committing suicide. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just about like, how can I tell my kids that I'm your parent and I'm the boss, but also I'm your friend. I yeah. love you. And you can yeah. always come to me being that like being there. And I think that is just the most important thing because like I can't control what my kids are going to turn into, but also it is nature versus nurture and whatever they decide to be and whoever they grow into, all I can do is be there and just remind them how loved they are and how special mm -hmm. they are. And I think that's just as parents, you just want to protect them in the ways that you can. And especially if you've gone through it, like we just spoke to uh, Prez Hilton in an interview and he recently got flack for saying, well, like I'm gay. Hope my son doesn't grow up gay. And mm -hmm. he got flack for that. But he's like, look, I just know how hard it is. And it's not that I wouldn't love him if he if he was, because I would. I just yeah. want to protect him from that pain and, yeah. you know, being ostracized. And, and when I say these poor kids who are realizing they're transgender, I'm not saying they're, they're, um, they're poor kids because they're going through that, yeah. that experience, because um, that that is who you are. Mm -hmm. and, and you grow as a person and you figure that out. It's about how they are treated by others who don't yes. understand what they're going through. And that is difficult because you're, what is the word that I've just learned in the last two weeks? It's like your makeup. So for me, I'm white. I'm straight. I'm mm -hmm. it's called an asymptomatic. No, that's you're cis, cis, right? And so, like, if you are if you are black and you are 
transgender or you are in a wheelchair and you're all these things. And I've realized it, that, that systematically the way it is, is you have less opportunity or you have more, mm-hmm. like it is just, it's so crazy because I wasn't until like two weeks ago that my brain really, like, I guess I did understand, but I didn't understand how somebody who is a white, straight, successful, I've like have all these privileges. Yeah. And now I also have this platform and I have all these opportunities. I'm giving opportunities, but I've missed this whole section of the world that needs those opportunities it's it's the the equity i didn't even know the difference between equality and equity until freaking two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and i'm like how did it take me this long to learn this but anyways i'm learning it now and i and i hope one day i can be an industry leader and a leader as a person in that department but i think about that for my kids and i just want to learn as much as i can and i want my kids to learn as much as they can and i want i need i need for my own kids sake to pop our little white flat bubble and step out of our circle and show like yes we have books kids of color are the heroes Mm -hmm. yes we have our elf on the shelf is black like I don't know why I liked him better. I don't know. I decided <laughs> to pick him. I was like, this is the elf is cuter, but that's not enough. Yeah. My kids need to get out and in our own backyard. We live in West Bank First Nations. We need to be going and celebrating the land that we occupy. We Absolutely. need to learn. Like so, all of these things that I never wasn't a priority me prior, and I don't know why. I feel guilty for that, but anyways, I am where I am now. Yeah, so, yeah. No, and that's that's the best thing. I think we just keep growing. Did you have something? Like yeah. That? I had a bachelor question, but it's hard. It's <laughs> yeah, hard. Totally, it's it's totally. hard to segue after that. But I'll just do it anyway. Yeah, no problem. So in this world of the bachelor, and I'm not sure if it's better or worse, but now it seems like everyone's an influencer going into it. Yeah. And of right. course, in your generation of uh, bachelorhood, I'll call it, there, there. I don't even think Instagram was around. Do you think that? <laughs> do you think people are? on the show now more for the wrong reasons than they were back then, even even though back then people were accused of being on it for the wrong reasons, <laughs> or because the only platform back then was being on TV, it was even more incentive to be there for the wrong reasons. Um, I think maybe the first few seasons, maybe people were there for the right reasons, but I think nobody, like, I think you go on the show and then part of me was like, I want to find somebody like I just wanted to get married and have kids so bad. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a wife. I saw like it was happening for some of my friends. It was something that I thought I'd be so good at. And so I really wanted that and just was not happening for me. I think I look back and I realized maybe I was just a little bit crazy, but that's fine. <laughs> it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Um, I think I was a clingy, I was a clingy girlfriend, but anyhow, but I did think, Hey, if it doesn't happen for me, then maybe I'll get my own TV show or maybe it will open up different opportunities. And that's okay too, because I almost am more concerned about people who truly think going on this TV show, they're going to find the person. I'm almost more concerned about those people because I'm like, that (laughs) might not be the best decisions. I think people who go on the show and that are open-minded, like, hey, I want to be famous or hey, what's it like to be on TV or hey, I want to travel. And then you fall in love. That's no different than meeting somebody out in the real world. You're going on this life. You're trying to find opportunity. You're traveling. You're doing this. And then all of a sudden you meet somebody and, and fall in love with them. So to me, I don't really care why you go on the show because ultimately you're going to find the connection. You're not going to find the connection. Mm. So there is no wrong reasons. There is no wrong reasons. And I also think that 
the proof is in the pudding, like not everybody becomes an influencer, but out of those 30 people, The Bachelor is obviously recruiting people who are interesting. Mm -hmm. And out of those 30 people, there might be five people that come from every season that become an influencer because they got, they are interesting just to somebody. They've got something interesting to say. They are funny. They're um, influential. They're pretty. They are workout, whatever. And now they have turned it into a career and, and if, and, I follow all different kinds of people, but if you're following that person and you feel like whatever the reason you're following them, like sometimes it isn't as an influencer, I want to be more than just telling people what to purchase. Um, But I've grown into that, but there are some influencers where all they do is tell you what to buy and that's okay too, because that's, if that's what you want to follow, then that's what you want to follow. If you're like, I'm sick of being sold stuff, then unfollow and then find somebody else to follow. Yeah. It's the same thing as what kind of books are you reading? What kind of shows are you going to? What kind of TV shows are you watching? Mm-hmm. The, the power lies in us as consumers of all this content. So totally. it's like, it's not fair for you to get pissed off at somebody for actually making money off something they're doing when you can just easily not give them your power, unfollow, and so totally. be it. And I get so frustrated when people do give others a hard time for making money however they're doing it because yeah. every, we're all a part of it. We all feed into totally. it. And totally. Jillian, there's one question before we let you go. And that then I, I have one. Okay, well, you go. Uh, do you fart in front of your partner? <laughs> I wish it was. Justin doesn't let me fart in front of him. And I love fart. I don't love farting. I think farting is funny. I don't mind being farted on or in front of. It doesn't matter. I like poop jokes. I like fart jokes. But Justin, I was raised like with my dad taught me the Canadian handshake when I was like five years old, which is um, hanging your bare butt out the window when you drive by somebody. I used to love like, oh, and I would see somebody mooning me. I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. Somebody just mooned me. That is so funny. Like that would make my day. That's not cool anymore, but that is kind of how I was raised. But Justin was raised very, very, very proper. And so like, for example, like I'm drinking this bubbly, this whatever, yes. this stuff, not sponsored. Um, <laughs> but uh, but if they want to sponsor us on our next podcast, I would be against that. Yeah, same. Hey. <laughs> Come to us. We're cheaper than you probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was drinking a pop yesterday. I don't even drink pop that often, but I was sitting there and then I kind of went like, like as this like little burp came out and just was like, really, really? I'm like, it's bubbles. I drank a pop. The bubbles come up. I'm a human, whatever. But Justin's like really against the like pooping and farting around each other, but I'm not. See, no. I don't like farts or poop really, but I like burps. I like it's odd. Burps. What's your question, Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jillian, I know you're busy. So before we go, I am just curious. This has been a burning question for me. And as into the rest of our conversation I was, this was still like at the forefront of my mind. Is there any part of you, like any little part that regrets turning down Harry Styles? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, heck, are you kidding me? I feel like we need a backstory here. I for sure wouldn't have lasted. I know that. Maybe I don't know, but... I, yeah, imagine if I had said yes to him and like we dated and like how fun that would have been momentarily. Well, that would have been. Because you ended up with a younger man anyway. I know, that's what I was just going to say. I'm not saying he's better than Justin, but. (laughs) Nobody has ever asked me that question, but yes, 100%. I'm like, because I had his number for quite a while. And um, I, I think I met Justin like literally like the next weekend. So there really was an opportunity, but I always thought like, Oh, like maybe we could just be friends. Like that would be cool. That would be so cool. But I think about that interaction and think about like, what if I was like, 
was I hardcore turned him down. Like I didn't know who he was. I was like, no, heck no. And then somebody was like, do you know who that was? And I was like, oh, 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 it's too late. But yeah, it would have been really interesting because at that time I was just coming off of a relationship with a guy from Holland who was not much older than Harry Styles. I think he was 20. Oh, you like them so, young. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, like, Harry oh, might I like them young. I like, at that time, I liked them young and old. At that time, I was dating, like, a 20-year-old and also a 50-year-old. Oh, there you, oh, go. you like okay. them young and old. You don't discriminate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like to diversify. <laughs> not now. Not currently. I'm, I'm, one, I'm one woman. But, yeah, no, I do think about that. I don't think it would have lasted, but it would have been a more – it still is a fun story to tell, but it would have yeah. been a fun story to tell for sure. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Jillian yeah. Styles. Wow, I can imagine That's it. nice. <laughs> but you know what was really weird for me also is when I found out who he was, I went and was Googling him and his mom was only like two or three years older than me. And her and I actually look very similar. Mm. That's... I was like, that's strange. I like guys with a little bit of a kink. So that's that's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Jillian, uh, we want to <laughs> thank you so much for coming on our show today. We really appreciate it. And if people want to find out more about you and your projects, where can they go to look for that? Probably Instagram, Jillian.Harris. Um, and then there's a website, JillianHarris.com. There is lots of like sub, there's like the JH, the brand, and then the Nacho, the dog has an Instagram. <laughs> Justin's has been Instagram. Peaches the dog has an Instagram, Great and then content. there's the Billy Box, and there's all kinds of things. But just start with there with me, and then if you want to dabble into the other stuff, you can. But yeah. All right, so go down that rabbit hole, fans, and I will say goodbye and thank you so much. We really appreciate it. That was really really fun. I really needed that. That was a good chat. I'll do that anytime. Hell yeah! All right, all right, okay. thanks, Jill. Thank you so much. For the delivery. Oh my oh. gosh, I'm so excited for you guys. Congratulations. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I need all the luck I can get. Right. <laughs> Bye, Jill. Bye. Oh, wait, wait. Oh. On my recipe, or on my recipe, on my blog, there's a recipe for padsicles. Okay. So you, I don't know if you're going to mix padsicles, but it's just like you put this juice that I tell you how to make, you put it on a big pad, you put yeah. it in the freezer. Do they taste good? Yeah. No, they don't taste oh. good. But then, if, unless you're having a C section, but when your vagina's all blown out, yes. um, you put those in your undies and it's like a nice, cool little refresher for your vagina. I swear by it. I will be checking it out right. for okay. sure. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye, Jill. Have a good conference. Thank you. All right. So what'd you think of Jill? Shane, that was honestly one of the most fun calls I've ever done. Not just with a podcast, but with like friends, anybody. So at the end, you know how she's like, oh, any time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do we have her on, like, as a weekly, like, correspondent? Or would that be taking advantage of the opera? <laughs> weekly. <laughs> uh, definitely sitting right here in my brain. Not ever going to forget that she offered that. And we will take her up on it. Okay. So maybe again. once a year. I think that's, that's that's reasonable. Yeah. That's reasonable. That's rational. Our date with Jill. And, okay. So next up, we have Jesse Cruikshank. Now, she used to work in Toronto at MTV Canada. I bumped into their, her that one epic time where I said hello, <laughs> and here we get to know each other a lot better. So, do you have anything to say? Uh, yeah. Most importantly for our listeners, I think, not only is she a successful woman, but she's a twin mom. So, I got to pester her with some of my twin questions, which just occupies such a funny fascination for me. And she called out Trudeau for wearing blackface through the conduit of two little girls, which I thought was amazing. And we get to the bottom of how that happened because that takes so much guts to do something like that. But yeah, let's go to that interview. But first. We are supported by Tushy. 
Of course, Tushy is the cheekiest bidet company in existence. Did you just come up with that? Yes. I like that. Thank you. I didn't know if you'd believe me or not. But Shane, what was it, if you could describe ASMR style, your first experience using the Tushy bidet? It was quite orgasmic for me. And it honestly blew my mind a little bit. It was better than I thought. It was better than I dreamed. And I did always dream of having a bidet from a young age. To me, it represented being wealthy, like I'm royalty or something, (laughs) and I thought I would never have one. But what Tushy is, is it's a sleek, modern bidet attachment. It will change your world, and it will save you money because you no longer have to have your wife waste all of your toilet paper. Oh, thanks for selling me out, Shane. Well, hey, for your wife, for your husband, everyone has an ass, and everybody deserves a clean ass. Therefore, everybody deserves the gift of Tushy. It might make an unconventional gift, but it's one that they will 100% appreciate. For me, it wouldn't even be that unconventional. If I showed up with a Tushy, my friends would be like, whoa, that's amazing. It is true. I guess for maybe a baby shower, someone might think it's weird, but it's actually not. It's the best for a baby shower because in postpartum, you can't wipe. You're going to use a little spray bottle anyway called a peri bottle, so you may as well go with a Tushy. And you're about to give birth... And I'm assuming this is going to become more useful. Oh, it will become way more useful because toilet time is just not a fun time when you're postpartum. And I think Tushy's going to make it slightly more enjoyable for me. But it's only $79. So you can live like a king and your butthole can be neat as a prince. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> So if you want uh, to live like a king, you can go to hellotushy.com slash thisfamilytree to get 10% off your order. So enjoy your clean butt. Enjoy your tushy. Can't top that read. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, we are also supported by... Hey You. Hey You is the home of reality TV, essentially with over 8,000 episodes from over 300 different reality shows, including, you know, the biggest ones that you love, like The Real Housewives, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Million Dollar Listing Franchises, Vanderpump Rules, which is our favorite, which unfortunately seems to be falling apart, but guess what? <laughs> you can go back from to the beginning and relive all my favorite episodes. There you our go. favorite episodes. It is kind of perfect, and all of this... TV, all this binge friendly fun costs less than a fancy smoothie. The subscription is only $5.99, including taxes a month with no contract. And it's fast. Most episodes are available the same day they come out on TV. So not only that, but you can get started right away. And right off the hop, you're going to get one month for free. Unlike this podcast, all the content is ad free. (laughs) It is. So through the Hey You app and Amazon Prime, you can watch Hey You on your mobile phone, your tablets, your computers, your smart TV. It's so good for on the go. So when Shane gets back to commuting, when I am... I'm never going back to commuting. I hope not. Don't say that. So if you are interested, go to heyyou.com slash the family. (laughs) Why is it not this family tree? I don't know, but I don't make the URL, okay? So it's... The family. So we're running a little contest. 
All you have to do is sign up for your free month on heyu.com slash the family and you will be entered into a draw to win a year subscription for free. That is a year, no cost subscription to heyu, to reality TV. So take part in this contest, sign up, get your first month free, and then maybe 12 more. We will be announcing the winner in less than a month on Monday, July 20th, 2020. So if you do the math, this is completely risk-free. Sign up and good luck. Well said, Alex. Now, <laughs> let's go to our interview with Jesse Cruikshank. Excellent. I'm so happy we could make this happen. Hi. Yeah, us Same too. with us. Jesse, we are so excited to have you today. And for our listeners, Jesse was the host of MTV Live with our neighbor, actually, Paul the Intern. Oh, are you, do you live in Hamilton? Yeah, he lives right there. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Paul. If you, do you, do you, can you tell him I say hi, please? Absolutely. We, we see him every day. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Paul, he's the best. So good. He's such a good neighbor, too, I gotta say. Oh. But Jesse, you also did the Real Hollywood Survival Guide. You're the a producer at the Oprah Winfrey Network, which is huge. You're an L.A correspondent for eTalk and now a renowned mom blogger and the host of new mom who dis and you're gonna have to excuse me because i'm fumbling a million sentences because i am she's eight months pregnant. very pregnant yeah. oh my so god so my brain is are? my brain shot oh heavily yeah <laughs> congratulations well you look great Thank you. and by the way for your listeners we are looking at each other on a zoom call and you we look are. great from the boobs up so well appreciate done. it yeah really congratulations guys that's so exciting oh thank you so much thank you so much jesse in regards to that actually so i'm like incredibly nervous to go through labor we already have one daughter she's two years old but you pushed two out in one go you are a twin mom and well she could have had a c-section maybe she didn't push them out well yeah i don't know but that's a part of it this is the thing but you don't know necessarily usually unless you have complications if you're gonna have a c-section or not right so how the hell did you psych yourself up because about to push something through my body for the second time i'm losing like i'm not ready for this how did you psych yourself up? Honestly, I think that that is like the one thing that we and you know, we have casual conversations about <laughs> having a third. And that's the oh, thing wow. that I think about. I know we can talk. I mean, uh, but that's what <laughs> I think about most is like I was so into it the first time I did it mm -hmm. because it was my first. It was my first pregnancy. It was my first labor. Like I wanted. To, I mean, I wasn't one of those moms who like wanted to feel it. Like give me all the drugs. But I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was excited. I was ready for the pumping the feeding now I'm like so tired and over it I don't know how I would psych myself up either for any of it so I understand your 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 pain and your fear for us and like Shane you bring up a good point we it's so it's such a different experience being pregnant with twins but also mm -hmm. identical twins ours were very are high risk um so like we were in the doctor's office every two days. I mean, I saw my children more through ultrasounds during my pregnancy than I have in person in two and a half years of their life. Like, we were basically lived at the specialist office. So by the time it came, like, to delivering them, we just assumed we would have a C-section with, like, 50 yeah. people in the room. There was no conversation. And then three days before I was supposed to, like, scheduled for the C-section, the doctor was like, you know, and ironically, my doctor was out and a female doctor was working that day. And okay. she said to me, you know, like, is there a reason you're having a C-section? Because you could push these guys out. And I was like, <laughs> uh, let's get the real doctor back in here, please. Like, thank you for subbing in. And then she kind of talked me through it. 
and was like, no, no, we could, you could do this if you wanted to. Like, I think you have, your heads are down. Like, it could, you could do it. Mm-hmm. And so I had three days. I had watched all the C-section videos and read the C-section books. Three days to, like, watch Labors on YouTube, which is a weird oh fucking God. rabbit hole to go down if you have ever. I did the same thing. Yes. That's the only way I could get mm-hmm. comfortable for one. And I don't know if I could tolerate doing it a second time, though, knowing the pain. But that's oh. all I did for the two months leading up to my first daughter. I watched births, like live births, over and over and over again late at night when Shane was sleeping. What looks worse, a C-section or a vaginal birth on video? Like, what's more scary? Oh, a C-section. Yeah. Because you I, can I would see, think. like, insides. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. At least, to me, the scariest part of those YouTube uh, videos is, like, when you watch someone, a stranger on the internet bring life into the world and literally they're holding their like baby like covered with placenta juice and they're like subscribe to our channel (laughs) smash that like button yeah that's the scariest part but like i yeah i was unprepared for a a, for a vaginal delivery and so i think that's probably why because i didn't Mm -hmm. have any i hadn't watched anything i hadn't really like i didn't know what it was gonna be like um So all that to say, yeah, I pushed one out and another one out four minutes later. And if I can do it, so can you. Oh, my God. Good job. Yeah, that's amazing. Honestly, I am so obsessed with women who have twins in the sense that, like, there's just so many things to it, like the pregnancy, the labor, and then raising them, but mostly with the pregnancy part. Because I find pregnancy so hard. It's so hard for me. And I could not imagine carrying two. What is hard for you? Like, what is it? What do you struggle with? It's like the pressure. Like, I literally cannot walk. Shane does everything. Well, she has lupus also, so it's high risk for her. And she she flares up more than maybe a Mm -hmm. typical pregnancy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But for you, when you say you might have a third, is there a fear like, what if I have a third and a fourth again? Yes. Like, what are the odds of that happening again? Oh, yes. The odds are very high. The odds really? are, like, I will say we had no twins in our family. We, my only frame of reference for twins was the Property Brothers or the Olsen right. twins. In the I, movie with Arnold, of course. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That that movie I did watch while pregnant with twins with Arnold and Danny DeVito. And I was like, yeah. in hindsight, this is not an accurate depiction. <laughs> yeah, in hindsight. <laughs> twins. But we did have one, uh, Rio, who I sh- we called the Danny DeVito for a very long time because he was like Aww. a little smaller, a little more balding. He was our Danny. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was just such a, it's such a like anomaly that we had. Like identical twins are such a freak of nature mm-hmm. that God know, you know, I, there's a definitely a chance that we could have them again. Um, the tennis player, oh God, Roger Federer has identical mm-hmm. twin boys and identical twin girls. I know. Whoa, I did That's not know trip. that. It's like wild. And if I had Roger Federer's salary, maybe I would say, let's do it. But like looking after four babies as just a set of parents would be very challenging. But yeah, it is something we think about. Like, what if we had two? What if we had twins again? Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine. So they weren't planned for comedy. It was just something that happened. We did not plan it for comedy. Although, gotta say, <laughs> as someone who, like, makes jokes for a job, it's, like, kind of the universe's joke on us. Like, joke's on you. You thought you were going to have one baby and, like, keep, you know, traveling and working. Like, here's two. Surprise. There is an advantage to having twins if you're a creator mm-hmm. like yourself. Like, for instance, I was watching your video where you put, like, a, a bowl of oh, yeah. M&Ms or Smarties 
in front of them. Mm-hmm. And the video is just not as funny if you don't have two people communicate, two toddlers communicating. <laughs> that was so adorable. I don't even want to have, I mean, that, like, sure, yes, there are definitely advantages <laughs> in terms of creating comedy. They are just like mm-hmm. a little comedy duo, the two of them. Like, I can just watch them forever. But certainly that's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's like, that wasn't on the that wasn't on my radar when I found out I was having <laughs> right. twins. I'm glad you appreciate. Oh, I love Absolutely. that! I love that video. Now I noticed there's one one of the twins seems like he's the leader because mm-hmm. the, the other twin wanted to break the the challenge you gave them, which was essentially not to eat the M and M's while you left the room to go to the washroom. Was the ruse? But the one wanted to, and the one said no. Let's wait for mommy. Kind of. I is know. is that twin typically the leader? No, I was shocked by that. <laughs> we were we had placed multiple bets. By the way, this was not something we did like just for the internet. We were like put mm-hmm. money on it. Evan, my husband, bet that they would not eat the candy. That that we left in front of them and I bet that they absolutely 100% would yeah I mean come on they're like two <laughs> and the prize was the winner would get to sleep in for a week which is like better That's than amazing. any monetary value I mean come on right um, yeah, and then no out of nowhere Rio uh, our Danny DeVito just like starts taking control telling his brother what to do we're not going to eat it he moves the candy over that was surprising and this is what I have discovered with twins because people will often ask me like who's the leader who's the follower who's the dominant Mm -hmm. twin it changes like every couple of weeks one will kind of take the reins and then it'll switch back and forth so they're really at least our twins are like Mm -hmm. you never know who's going to be in control that week or that day well, the best part of the video is when you walk in and you're like, okay, you can have three M&Ms, but he's already got a handful <laughs> shoved in his mouth. And you're like, I think that's more than three. Yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. He went right in for it. <laughs> Even the way they like kind of change roles, like you say, right? There's so much that you see in movies where twins have this like really creepy, innate communication going on. Is that like a movie thing or... Is that a real life thing? People, that's a good question. People would always ask if they had a special twin language because you see videos mm-hmm. where twins are like, baby, boo, ba, ba, da. And I was so excited for that. But then their language was just English. Like they just started speaking English <laughs> to each other. They skipped that phase. I think they have, I mean, they shared a womb. And like my guys, we had a very terrifying surgery during the pregnancy they shared like trauma in the womb so I think and I hope that they will have that connection and I hope that they will like have it forever they're definitely connected but they're not like the type of they don't like need to go everywhere do everything together Mm -hmm. you know if like a friend comes over one of them will fully ditch his twin to go hang out with the friend (laughs) so like I but I do hope I do obviously I think there's a connection and I and I hope that like in my perfect world, they're living together at 45. Like that's my dream. Obviously, yeah. of course. it's probably not going to happen. Are you going to be in the pool house? They're going to be in my pool house. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I'm not letting them leave. No, that's, that's awesome. But what was having these two kids together, what was harder and what was easier than you anticipated? Oh, like after, like just having two mm-hmm. kids at once. Like the having. So like after thinking about it for so long and they're cooking in your belly yeah. and, you know, you're getting stressed out about, oh my God, this part is going to be so difficult. 
But what was maybe easier and then what was more difficult than you actually anticipated? Yeah, I think the easier, so the easier things are, in my experience, I know all twin moms have have different um, thoughts, but in my experience, it's easier to sleep train because Mm. you don't have the guilt of like the cry it out thing doesn't really apply because they're never alone. Our guys were in the same crib, in the same like pack and play when we first had them. They share a crib? They were, they did when they were little. Yeah, oh my God. they were like, and I should say, because you've given me a lot of props for pushing out two babies, but my babies <laughs> were three and four pounds, which is like combined weight of most single babies. So they slipped right out. It's still cool, still. though. Thank yeah. you so much. You will not take that away from me. So they were like little guys in one crib. And if one of them cried, like they always had each other. So it was a lot mm. easier to sleep train them and get them on a schedule. Are you scared to have two in one crib, though? Like, you know how it's like, oh, don't put a blanket in a crib. What if a baby um. rolls over and strangles the other one? I know that's morbid, but it's <laughs> oh, what like I'm thinking the of. baby could be like the strength. Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. Two and a half years yeah. later, I never even thought about that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we were, I'm sure you were, too. And this will be different for you guys after your second. But, like, we we were, weren't you terrified of everything? Like, if oh I, God. like, blew near the crib, I was like, this could cause SIDS. Like, we were yeah. so nervous. I did not sleep. I didn't sleep for three months. And everybody's like, okay, it's been three months. Like, how come you're only getting 40 minutes a night? Because I'm staring at the monitor with my eyes open, scared to breathe, because I'm worried I'm going to see her chest stop moving. Mm -hmm. And that was constant. I couldn't sleep when she was napping, nothing. So I was just like, I was a wreck. You were so worried it made me less worried because I knew there was one worried person on it at <laughs> so all times. So instead of sharing the load. Oh yeah, my exactly. God, that was my husband in our relationship. I was like, I know he's not <laughs> sleeping, so I'll just take a nice long nap. He yeah. was like, the wor- you need one worried, constantly paranoid parent. Um, True. Oh, thank, thanks, guys, on behalf of Evan and myself mm-hmm. then on taking that role. We appreciate it. I was it. researching it. <laughs> Apparently, that's a very natural thing to have that's one crazy. worried parent. And if the mom isn't around for some mm-hmm. reason, it's just the single dad, the dad will take on all that worry. It's oh. like a Yeah, it's like a nature thing. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, I let him take on that worry, but it was a, uh, but it was a, uh, it was like a lot. It was definitely a lot easier. Also, when when mm-hmm. you have twins, your people scare you, like really terrify you into the schedule thing. Every class we took, every book we read was like, if your twins are not programmed like robots, you are fucked for life. So we were like, <laughs> from the minute we could, we were like, okay, three, four naps or whatever it was a day, three naps. Like it was, we were never a minute late for their naps. And yeah. I think as a result, like. Yeah, that was certainly easier because there were two. Yeah, now you're not fucked for life. So, right. so that's good. <laughs> that guilt life, isn't on your you conscience. Uh, well, but yeah, it's not a permanent fuckery is what, is what we learned. <laughs> I just wanted to ask about, you shot this video a while ago with Justin Trudeau. Mm. And I found it so amazing. At first, I wasn't sure if he was like punked or something. But the just to explain mm-hmm. the video is basically our prime minister. He had a period in his like 20s where he went in brown face. And you confronted him on a on a on a segment on one of your shows, like New Mom Who Dis, I believe it was in. And two little girls walk out and ask him why he did it. Now, at first, I was like, "Oh my goodness, did she just like punk him?" But I, I guess you had told him that this was going to happen. But you you must have not known what his reaction was going to be. Well, like, how did that come about? I'm yeah. so fascinated by that. So we, my show, New Mom Who This, is on a 
Facebook watch and we, you know, I it's a show on the internet and we we <laughs> make it, you know, with like so much love and our fans are amazing. And so for season 2, it was at the height of the election at the Canadian election this past this past fall and uh we had reached out literally through e- like through the public email to the prime minister like hello we would <laughs> like to interview you from our first show so many people were like do you have connections are you friends with sophie i'm like no i'm a regular old person we emailed wow. the hotline and they wrote back and they were fans of mine and fans of the show and justin uh had watched uh an episode from season one called hot dads and quote thoroughly enjoyed it so (laughs) they wanted to be on the show and we had it all planned and then the blackface controversy surfaced and obviously all of the conversation around the whole Mm -hmm. election and around him turned to that as it should have and and here we are going like well I guess they're not going to do our little internet show anymore they have bigger fish to fry and so when we reached out they said no no absolutely we still want to talk to you and uh, and so we said, well, obviously we are going to talk about that. And they said, yes. And I think when you are a prime minister and certainly when you were in the middle of election, you legally you cannot ask for questions. So right. you guys are interviewing me. I could have asked you to send me all the questions and you probably would have done it. And like, who am I? The prime minister cannot do that. Um, mm-hmm. Because he cannot, I guess it's, you know, you can't be seen to be controlling the media around you. So yeah. he hadn't, he knew, we, we gave him a heads up, we were going to talk about it. He had no idea um, how we were going to do it. And so I brought it up myself in the interview and we had, I, I thought, quite a good conversation about it. And then we had a segment in the episode where kids came out and asked questions, which is something that we have done in previous episodes. And um, they asked him everything from where do babies come from to uh, do you dye your hair? And then two black girls at six years old asked him, why did you paint your face brown? And um, and I think watching him answer that question was, I mean, seven million people shared that clip. So clearly it's it sort of... Mm-hmm. It was a way uh, for us to have him talk about it and answer the question that was off script for him. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he had been saying the same things and giving the same messages. And I thought, like, how can we ask him this from a real human perspective and get a real human answer? And I think that was yeah, such a cool that. segment. Yeah. Thank that was you. amazing. Were, were you, like, nervous at all yes. watching that? Are you like, kidding? What was going through your oh head? Oh, my God. I was like, if I was pregnant, I would have delivered on the spot. I'm like... <laughs> I was, the whole time, the whole thing, I mean, we don't have uh, all day, but the, listen, I have interviewed Mariah Carey. Uh, the security around her was not <laughs> nearly, and I thought that was crazy, but the, his, mm-hmm. there were dogs sniffing me. We had to do sweeps the days before. We had to change our location last minute because somebody found out and posted it on Facebook. Like, the oh the amount of just the diligence that goes around protecting mm-hmm. a prime minister, active prime minister in an election was wild. Um, and so I was like nervous just to be doing the interview. Usually our interviews, we have a really small crew. It's very intimate. Mm-hmm. With him, there was probably 60 people in the room. Um, it was, yeah, it was terrifying. And then knowing that I had these kids coming out and, you know, we let them ask what they wanted to ask. So I wasn't really sure what was going to transpire. It was, um, yeah, it was a really, really nervous wracking moment you could cut the tension with a knife in the room i bet afterwards is he like huh you kind of ambushed me or was he like that was good like what was his afterwards what was the vibe like um i don't think i think he handled it really well 
Yes. On, uh, I mean, would I like to... It was... It was really complicated. Yeah. But, you know, I give him so much credit for being allowing him to be put in that position. Also yeah. in that episode, and I hope people go and watch it now because it's really like a remarkable. It's amazing. Yeah, it's so we, good. I hand him a live baby, like a two or three week old baby and ask him policy questions while holding the baby. So like, he, if you talk about ambush, like a lot of things were yeah. coming at that man. He's usually sitting across from a white man in a suit and now suddenly yeah. he's like. He's like, where's the hot dad segment yes. now? Yeah. I was, I was I was gonna ask. Yes, does this he's mean like, he's not gonna agree to be on this year's version of Hot Dads for a New Mom Who Dis? I don't think he will. I don't, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. I don't think he will. But I will say that that interview was said to, like you know a, a, some people wrote about it and said that it sort of changed the conversation um, mm-hmm. for young people uh, how they perceived him and for him. And what I always like to think about because I live in Los Angeles and like God I don't know why what a what a wild time to live in America but I often think about uh, just try to visualize President Trump looking a child in the eye and explaining Never. explaining yeah. his actions I mean it just, sitting in a little kid's chair we yeah. should add like it just wouldn't happen so regardless of what you feel about pol- his politics uh, you know I just I thought he handled it really beautifully no I, I thought so too and He's probably glad he did it right now because of everything going on now. That clip's kind of circulating Mm -hmm. again. And I thought he came off great. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But in regards to changing conversations, you had a the most recent version of or episode of New Mom Who Who Dis. You spoke to Shanika Wright, Keisha Bedford, and Dr. Diaz about talking to kids about race and inquired, how do I do this as a white mom? And I know that Dr. Diaz was talking about colorblindness and how in the past years, and I mean, this is how I would have thought to go about things, is that you don't really mention it because you don't want to teach them that there's differences within people and that bringing it up only amplifies that maybe in a negative way. But then Dr. Diaz was talking about how no, like amplify those differences, show kids that they exist so that the conversation isn't isn't taboo anymore. So with that conversation, because I thought that was so powerful and that was such a good interview, how, like, have you started implementing this with your own kids when you read stories or how do you, how are you going to go about that? Because your kids are, are they around three? Two and a half, yeah, two. Oh, good. Two and a half. Okay. yeah, almost three. Okay, yeah, because our daughter's two. So it's like, I want to start now, but I want to do it appropriately. So how do you bring that into your life with your kids? Yeah, and I think that was so eye-opening for me because I didn't necessarily think I had to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, my kids, I'm like, oh, isn't this great that they have black friends and white friends and brown friends and Asian friends and they don't even notice. They just like them for who they are. And what I have learned um, and what I learned through those conversations was like, Oh, no, that's how kids organize their world. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have spent, as I'm sure you have, how how many months saying like, and this is orange, and what color is this, <laughs> and this is purple, and what color is your juice, and what color is your hat? But not once have I said, what color is your friend Bryson? Like, yeah. What, yeah. In fact, it, it's sort of like one time I remember we had a book and there was a sort of like a brown baby in the book. And my friend, my son pointed it out and he said, look, it's Bryson. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And mm-hmm. I'm getting uncomfortable and awkward. And I'm yeah. like, it does look like Bryson. Let's turn the page. 
huge <laughs> because I bring to that innocent observation all mm-hmm. of what I know about race in the world and yeah. my idea that my kids should be colorblind and what she taught me and what I'm continuing to learn is that right like just like you said it's absolutely not the case kids kids see color you know there are studies that show that kids as young as two start to choose their friends based on the color of their skin there's Mm -hmm. there's nothing deeper than just oh you look like me i'm gonna play with you or you Mm -hmm. look like the characters in the books my mom reads to me or you look like the disney princesses i watch i want to play with you so it's like how as as parents can we be comfortable and unafraid to point out those differences in the same way we point out the differences of the colors of their backpacks you know and so for me at like two and yeah they're just they're two and a half almost three and so what we did is like I found the one of the few books that I have on my shelves that has people and children of color in it, which mm-hmm. is another thing that I've started to be proactive about is is ordering more books that feature different skin tones and different kinds of people. Um, but mm-hmm. I took one of I took our Doc McStuffins book and it was just like we were reading it like we always do. And it was what color is her dress? Purple. What color is her stethoscope? Red. What color is her hair? Brown. What color is her skin? And my kids kind of like paused and they were like, <laughs> brown? like yes and I just said she has brown skin and what color is our skin and and he was probably like potato like I don't know like (laughs) the conversation was very very base level but it was it Mm -hmm. opened up this dialogue and later that night he said to me look mommy my hippo's skin is purple and and it was a purple hippo bath toy and like so we're starting to be open we're starting to notice and I think that's that's where we start that's the foundation of raising kids who are aware and proactive and and celebrate differences instead Mm -hmm. of pretend they don't exist well and I thought that was such a great point because so the first like toy doll baby doll that we bought Lucy our daughter maybe about six months ago was black and I don't think I ever told her that it was black. Like, I never said, oh, this baby has dark skin, this baby has black skin. And it was just a conversation I didn't... Well, because we wanted it to be like all people are yeah, equal. Yeah, so we just wanted to like, here's this like, doll. Get used to yeah. it. Love it like you would any other doll. And now I'm kind of rethinking like all of that. Embrace yeah. other cultures. People are different, but we're all... Yeah, in- I think that we need to point it out to her. Yeah. I think it's proactive of you guys, though, to buy that doll for her. I, I think most people wouldn't. I think your inclination is just to buy the doll that looks like your child. And that's okay, too. So I think yeah. you can give yourself a pat on the back. But I think we're all learning. And, like, um, it's scary for us to have these conversations because there's so many wrong things that you can say. And, you know, on my platform, certainly it was scary putting something out in the world when, you know, the 10 minutes away, there's, there's protests and there's buildings being burned to the ground and the tension is so high and like everybody is so angry and frustrated and like mm-hmm. I, I, but I think what I tried to do and have continued to do and having this conversation with you guys is so valuable is like we're just having the conversation we're just starting yeah. the dialogue like how can we do better you know it yeah. started with buying a black baby for your daughter and now mm-hmm. let's continue the conversation and explain to her when you think she's ready to know that like did you ever notice that baby doll has darker skin than you and and like Mm -hmm. take it from there yeah no absolutely and just a little pivot away from that but I I do think it's so great and moms helping moms again just in a different regard in something that we may have ignored especially white moms and like I don't have to tell you Instagram is so incredibly oversaturated with white moms 
And we were even talking about this. We're like, look, anybody that we've ever reached out to, anybody that we have collaborated with, anybody we've had on the podcast, all white moms, because that's all I was getting in my feed. And it totally eliminates half of the conversation. So I like that even now, even though obviously neither one of us are black, we are still having conversation that can, you know, feed that dialogue and enhance that dialogue and help other moms in general about where to go next and the next step to take. Well, Um, and that is such a, that is like, yes, we can protest. mm -hmm. We should protest. We should, we should post. We should donate. We should do all the things. But then I think what this revolution, and it really is a revolution, like nothing is going back to normal. Everything is is going to be changed after this moment. And I think if people in your position and my position go like, well, what have we done? Re- look back at your guests. Look back at who works on the show. Look back at who works with you. And, and like, what could we do better moving forward? Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that's so true is something that I talked to Dr. Diaz about was, what if I am a parent who has white children and I am sending them to a school in a white neighborhood or a school that doesn't have a lot of diversity? She said, mm-hmm. well, then it's on you to make those friends. It's on you to take him to classes where he is going to meet a more diverse range yeah. of, of friends. Like, that's on you. And I think that applies to our Instagram feeds because we, we have a lot of white moms in our feeds because those are the women that we have sought out and followed. It doesn't mean yeah. there's not a lot of diverse creators out there who are making that content. It's just that we have never uh, been forced or been in a position where we have mm-hmm. been like, oh my God, I should... I should add diversity to my the people I follow. And like right. these are the conversations that were happening. This is what's starting to happen. And I it's like I think it's very positive. I and I mm-hmm. think so much good will come out of it. Oh, I agree. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's yeah. positive. Well, do you know but, what's um, funny too? Like Blackout Tuesday, when everybody blacked out their feeds to allow mm-hmm. for, for people of color, I was like, where are all the people of color uh, speaking out in my feed? And then I I mean I probably like it's bitch you don't follow that many so like i my mate started to make that change and now i have a much more diverse range of voices that are popping up on my feed every day and that's that's really important that's an important start Mm -hmm. no and it, it feels so much better i think like even just for me i'm a high school teacher as well and to be able to be hearing from that community because i teach inner city we have an incredibly diverse population and just to be hearing things from the perspective that I was missing and maybe only getting from a 15-year-old or 16-year-old living in it. I'm getting it from, you know, their moms, their fathers, their cousins now. And it it just it provides me, I think, with just more understanding, I hope, for them and then more of an ability to communicate with them and to talk about this on a broader issue. So I, I, I think it's so great, so, so great. But... I wanted to ask about your Philly cream cheese, <laughs> just to segue perfectly. Um, Great segue. <laughs> I'm a pro here. You're dealing with a pro. Um, I love your Philly cream cheese submission. It obviously <laughs> happened at the worst timing possible. Uh, but one, does your? I know your husband's an editor. Does he do all the complicated production there? Like, how did you do such an amazing video? And are you going to be the Philly cream cheese angel? Um, God, this is going to be very disappointing for you. Sadly, I am not. I am not. 
I am not going to be the Philly cream cheese angel. Although, honestly, I'm clearly perfect. Like, what a missed opportunity, Mm -hmm. Philly. No, I just helped Philly. I worked with them to promote (laughs) the contest. They were looking for a new um, person. So you were never auditioning? I was auditioning. Uh, oh. I feel so tricked. You I feel like Trudeau right now. This is someone, by the way, for your listeners, you are someone who works in media professionally and you so. were tricked. <laughs> yes, it was a somewhat of a, it was a fake audition, but it was an audition to encourage other real auditions to happen. It did the opposite for me. I was like, maybe I'll apply. I saw your video. I was like, never mind. <laughs> She's one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I hope they never listen to this. Um, Shane, I think you would make an amazing Philly cream cheese lady. Oh, thank you. That's all I was looking for with the question. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to answer your question, no, he wants nothing to do with me. I mean, my husband works in, he's a, a, a executive producer and editor and like, during quarantine, he has been forced to, as you saw earlier, provide tech support for me. The big volume issue, yeah. Yeah, we had that big, big challenge here. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he does like Netflix shows. Like he's like, I don't have time for your shit, Jesse. Right. <laughs> Do it yourself. Uh, but as a result, I have an incredible team of editors and producers that I get to work with every day. So yeah, he helps me when I force him to, but not not regularly. Could and that on? Philly cream cheese thing was way. Above his pay grade he could never have pulled that off let's be honest right. yeah. <laughs> well I do love all your content I was reading actually that you went to school with Seth Rogen and Nathan Fielder yeah. two of my favorites oh did their influence like did you influence them did they influence you like how how close were you with them? I read you were on an improv team with them. Yeah, I 100% influenced them. So all of their That's success is because of me. Um, their sensibility, their humor, their drive, everything about them is um, due to me. So I'll just, I'm waiting <laughs> for them think. to publicly acknowledge that. But let's just get it out here on the pod. Um, no, we were we're still very close. Nathan is one of my best friends. I was FaceTiming really? with him last night. We uh, we he's we were, my favorite ever. Isn't he the best all time? Yes. So like, she, yeah, she loves him, loves him. Oh, yeah. we even have the same birthday. That's how uh, connected. We oh, are. it yes. was recently your birthday. Yeah, May twelfth. Yeah, happy birthday! I sent him a cameo video for his birthday. Anyway, <laughs> um, for free. He, yeah, we were on an improv team together at Point Grey Secondary in Vancouver, and I was the only girl, and um, which was like a, a little bit weird because most it's like theater, you know, it was like a mm-hmm. fully like male team, and then me, and we won the BC championships, and we went to Ottawa to compete in the national championships. We were like. We were quite the team. Uh, we were like, you know, making a hundred dollars to perform at bar mitzvahs. Like, I don't want to brag, you guys, but we were, wow. we were a big deal. Um, That's intense. Mm-hmm. And then Seth was, uh, Seth was doing stand up at night when he was like thirteen or fourteen, and we were always mm-hmm. like, okay, weirdo, like we're going to hang out at Seven <laughs> Eleven, go to your stand up. Uh, and then one day he was like, oh, I'm going to L.A. to do a show. And we were like, excuse me? I remember he was he had just gotten Freaks and Geeks. And we were all like, 
I mean, there were way, there was like heartthrobs that we went to school with. There were like hunks. If you were to pick <laughs> one kid at our school to like go off and make it in Hollywood, it was not Seth. Like there was one point where Seth had bleach blonde dreadlocks. Like it was not. <laughs> I would not have predicted that uh, future. And then he went off and did Freaks and Geeks, and we had like a big party at his mom's in his mom's basement to watch the premiere when it came out. Like yeah, it was really it was a big deal for all of us. So it's been it's been amazing and been fun. And those guys have been like when I moved to LA Seth and his wife were the first people to sort of welcome Aww. me and um, yeah Nathan and I have always been wow. really close that's so amazing that kind mm-hmm. of blows my mind actually yeah there's what's up with the West Coast talent in Canada it's insane you guys you guys Hamilton got, has some good stuff ha- too Hamilton has <laughs> some great stuff yeah Eugene Levy oh Dan yes Levy. yes yes Martin Hamilton Short. but yeah I think I think we're gonna die soon so we I should know. wrap it up yeah Jesse Thank you so much for all your time today. We had a blast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. And where can listeners find you if they want to check out New Mom Who Dis, check out Your Insane Twins, anything like that? The Candy Challenge video we talked <laughs> right. so much about. The Philly audition. Come on. There are so many things. It's good things. stuff. It's great stuff. The Trudeau interview after oh, the yeah, Philly interview, amazing. of course. After the Philly uh, episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Jesse Crookshank at uh, on Instagram, just at Jesse Crookshank, C R U I C K S H A N K, and then uh, New Mom Who Dis Show on Facebook is where you watch the show. Amazing, perfect, Jesse. Thanks again. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. It's been and, so yeah. fun talking to you. You're such a cute Hell couple, yeah. and I'm so excited for the baby. And like words of encouragement, just imagine me be like, if she pushed out two, and just know I'm a very weak 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 woman if i pushed out two you can push out one is that gonna be weird if i'm thinking about you on the table mm-hmm. if jesse can do it i can do it no it's not better be to weird. think about me when you're pushing the baby okay. out as opposed to when you were making the baby that would have been weird. <laughs> <laughs> well i might have to take you up on that i will let you know how it goes deal thanks so much thanks, guys. bye jesse bye that was everything i was hoping it would be and honestly i just think everything that she does is so fascinating like I have always been on such a straight career path and I've never been very imaginative when it comes to work Uh, like just wanting to be a teacher and whatnot and I just find that everything that Jessie's kind of done including coming out with her new clothing line is just courageous and fun and yeah it's awesome and she's just so funny and effortlessly funny you know but it's time to go to our favorite part, I'll say, because I'm actually can't confirm whether it is anyone else's favorite part of the show. But this is the question portion. This is the part where we answer listener questions. Yes. If we even have any, you look like you're scrambling a little no, bit. No, right? no, I'm just pulling them up. My phone's been charging. <laughs> All right. So right off the bat, I will say the majority of people today are just saying these are my favorite three people ever and different versions of that. But I will get into some of the questions. What is your worst quarantine habit Shane uh okay so I'm the type of person that if you give me like I'll beg to have some time off but if you give me any time off or more time I will find a way to fill it with activities that make me very stressed (laughs) so it's very hard for me to relax and idle time is dangerous for me because I will try to start a tv show turn it something into like a, a play uh ridiculous dreams and aspirations i'll try to make a reality 
and it's fun when it works but when it doesn't i can be a bit of a doomer and gloomer and it's a bit of a roller coaster to be involved with me that's why i'm so excited just to get to the cottage so we can have (laughs) just relaxing time without any stresses of things we need Mm -hmm. to do and just take care of the babies and that's it uh my worst quarantine habit is also my favorite quarantine habit i think and that is the fact that shane oh sorry i don't I haven't. When have I been farting? Oh, we don't want to talk about it. Why are you giving me the look like you? No, don't want to when? Talk about this? I'm kidding. I just continue. <laughs> just continue. Um, so it's my worst habit, but also my favorite, and that is the fact that every. I just love morning... the idea of farting being your favorite <laughs> habit, so I thought it was fun. <laughs> no, it's every mo- every morning for the last three months we've eaten Eggo waffles every single day. Should we stop that? I don't know. I love it. And guys, we're not only just like eating an Eggo, like we, Shane makes them every morning. So we- <laughs> it's an Eggo. It's like your husband makes you breakfast. Yeah. He puts an Eggo in a toaster. No, but he's you, a dream. Shane, you're so particular and they're so delicious. And then he heats up the butter. He melts the butter. He makes sure that it goes in like every hole in the Eggo. They're squares. No. The, oh yeah. Yeah. The little squares in the Eggos. And then we get our, you know, our real maple syrup real canadian maple syrup that's so good and the best whipped cream in the world which is it's a coconut whipped cream and it comes frozen and it's like this delicious vanilla coconut and if you want that vanilla coconut cream it's this family tree 15 (laughs) at coconut i wish oh my god if they support us we'd save so much money uh but that might be my worst quarantine habit just for starting my day off with like a lump of sugar so wait your worst quality is something that i do also which is eat the (laughs) ego yeah i I just think it's a maybe a bad habit but a fun one well you're a pretty good person if that's all you got (laughs) why do you think people are so quick to bring each other down on social media this it's a lot easier to throw an insult or be rude when you're Mm -hmm. not face to face with someone and I've been in certain situations with people who are extremely rude to me, and then they see me, and they're very nice to me, yeah. and kissing my butt. And on the flip side of that, I've done that too. Yeah. So there's something about seeing flesh and bone that really makes you realize there's more similarities than differences. And oh, that's a person who's living and breathing just like me. Yeah. But online, it's like, I wish that guy was dead. And I think people are just so... Uh, you know, people are dealing with so much of their own crap and especially right now when so much is happening and, you know, everything's getting politicized and there's so much hate stemming from that. And I get that because I feel that hate too sometimes. And I'm like, why can't these people understand? And they're saying the exact same thing about me. And I just think that it's a way that people vent and obviously it's a harmful way. It's a damaging way. It doesn't solve anything in the end. All it does is create a bigger divide. But... I think that's where it's a lot of it's from. It's just, you know, you're basically screaming and swearing and threatening an avatar and you don't think that that avatar cares. Which one of your podcast guests has surprised you the most and why? I got an answer for this. I'll start. Yeah. Okay. And it's not just for this podcast either, but in general. However, the most surprising pod guest for me, I think was actually Jillian Harris because I think I was expecting her to not make as much time as she did for us or be so willing to talk about anything mm-hmm. and I, it was like talking to a buddy over a beer like I loved it it made me a fan of hers all over again and 
it was just a very cool experience. Yeah. But I kind of, from watching interviews with her, I expected her to be very cool. Mm-hmm. I would have been so disappointed if she wasn't cool with us, but she was. So she was kind of like exactly what I hoped for. Mm-hmm. Heidi Murkoff to me, <gasps> this is a future pod guest, and she wrote the book What to Expect When You're Expecting. It's like, it's basically like the Bible of yep. motherhood books or pregnancy books. So talking to her, I thought she was going to be more doctory and serious the whole interview or more like a mom like she's yeah but she was this is a compliment by the way i'm giving her because she was so funny and cool and let me be me and the whole time i'm just like waiting for pockets of jokes to just she loved your sense of humor like honestly i think she had a crush on you by the end of it and it was such a funny interview like that was a blast i totally forgot about that or else i would have said the same yeah, it's one of my favorite interviews we've done. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. We have a lot of great interviews coming up, by the way. Next question. How often should you tell your partner you love them? My answer would be, what, six times an hour? No, or whenever you don't want to say them? it too much. I know you're joking, but you don't want to say I love you too much because it can lose its meaning. Like the Three whole, times like, a day. Well, it depends. If you talk to them on the phone, perfunctory, given I love you, bye. Mm-hmm. after every phone call but that's not that meaningful i love you that i think we're talking about here so i think once every two days once every two days so once every two <laughs> days you give the like handhold look in the eyes and you say i love you I, like I love you more than anything man you complete me i know you're just saying this for the podcast but it's really making my heart feel warm yeah me too my eyes are watering i know i could see that i I didn't know if that was performative or if it was that was real but i I, i'm I'm such an emotional person my performativeness can (laughs) can turn into into real emotion but yeah i say once every two days what do you think well i think that that's fair for like the stop everything that's going on that's what i think we're talking i think we're talking about real i love you's not like well I, i i give you we say a real I love you before I go to bed every night, but it's not like But, that, it's, but it feels perfunctory, though. See, it doesn't to me, because I always want to go to sleep with you knowing that I love you. I'd say it's middle of the road I love you. It's not like, I'm talking about like a real heartfelt well, thing. Well, I gotta say, I'm putting a lot of heart, even if I'm like not facing you and like <laughs> in the middle of a contraction, I don't want you to fall asleep without knowing that I love you. Thank you. What's the next question? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is loving your partner enough? to get through any relationship (laughs) problem. (laughs) Are these all from the same person? Those two are. Okay. I don't think so. I think you have to... I think it's a lot and it's most of it. But I mean, you have to also be willing to put in so much work and be able to understand each other and try to improve yourself. Because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people go wrong because they don't see the need for self-improvement in a lot of these situations. And I do think that love is obviously the foundation and you need to love them more than anything to want to carry through but if you don't have the skills necessary to do that and I mean we just talked to Jillian about the skills that she's been learning going to therapy with her husband and how you bring those skills in your relationship and I think if you don't find them on your own if you don't seek them out from somebody else then without that it's it's going to be really difficult you could love a person an insane amount and it would mean nothing if they were a piece of shit who didn't mm-hmm. love you back. I think it's way more important for a relationship to work if the other person loves you. Yeah. You can make anything work if the other person loves you. Mm-hmm. So your love doesn't matter. If, <laughs> like if I loved you to the moon and back, which I do, 
and you didn't care about me, that relationship right. is never going to work because my love is actually going to it's going to be a push pull situation. Yeah. It's going to detest you because yeah. you'll be like this guy's such a loser, he's obsessed with me. Yeah. My 2-year-old fights getting into her car seat. It's constant battle. Any tips? I'm going to leave this one to Shane because he's usually better with these types of scenarios like regarding Lucy in the bathtub and getting her to do things that she's fighting. I cut the baby talk. I go down to her level and I say, I know you don't want to go in the car seat right now, but we are going to go somewhere very fun. And even if we're not, I'll say, we're going to go somewhere. And after that, I am going to give you a snack and you're going to be a lucky girl. Because anytime we give <laughs> Lucy a snack, we say she's lucky. And Lucy knows that means she's getting something good. And I talk above our child's skill level, like what their perceived skill level. And then eventually they get there and then they liked being talked to in this adult mm. manner. They feel like uh, we're having like a special moment. Like I remember we were in Disney World. Yeah. And Lucy was freaking the F out in line. And your parents are kind of looking like, what are we going to do? And I just got on a knee and I was like, we have to be patient. We have to wait in line and be patient. And kind of your parents are like, okay. <laughs> and she she just understood. She just in, intuitively knew. She couldn't understand the words, but she kind of knew okay i have to stay and now anytime we're in line she's perfect i just mm -hmm. say the same thing i said at disney world and she's perfect i think it has so much to do too with your tone of voice your calmness and your face and then when your kid sees sees your face hears your calm tone and knows that you're not like freaking out over it then that just encourages them to you know to learn and kind of do the right thing yeah this is just what works for me yeah. i don't know betty might be oh betty might be a different animal yeah Anything else? No, not for today. This is it. And folks, we truly hope that you have enjoyed this episode as much as we have because it was such a treat to do all these interviews, to talk tonight. Like, I, I've had a great time. And for the love of COVID masks, please give us a five-star rating <laughs> on, what's it called, Apple? Yeah, on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 44. Bingo, bongo.